Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders Never Sit Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, grumpy old man, I'm noticing the camera looks a little funny on you, grumpy. Is there any reason for that? I can't really see your face. What's going on? I told you after the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, I was going to break out some Tom Brady gear. So I have the goat shirt, and then I also have my Tampa Bay Buccaneers hat. Oh, my God. I've had this a long time. I've had this hat a long time, actually. So Grumpy. I was about to say that hat is looking old, really old, Grumpy. <laughs> like the logo. I told you I was a logo guy. So <laughs> Grumpy old okay. man. I'll tell you, um, if you want to talk about a heck of a game there, um, I mean, that uh, wasn't as interesting as people had expected. I think it was one of the lowest viewed Super Bowls in quite some time, Grumpy. It was a blowout. Um, you know, that's what happens. And besides, really, if you think about it, besides the Boston area, uh, Tampa Bay and Kansas City, you know, I, I don't know. I just think everything's kind of screwy, I, you know, with the COVID and everything. So. It is what it is, uh, but it did have extremely high ratings in Boston. I wonder why. I was about to say, I, you have to feel like – I don't think the fans from the uh, New England area feel like spurned lovers, but that's one of those things where you think to yourself, man, oh, man, how fortunate were we to have Tom Brady on the team? I mean, like people either love or hate Tom Brady, but, I mean, come on now. Everybody could unilaterally accept the fact that he's undoubtedly the greatest of all time, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. Um I mean, seven Super Bowls. Think about seven. I mean, he's won more Super Bowls than any franchise in the history of football. Think about that. New England has six, Pittsburgh has six, and Tom Brady has seven. Mm. Just about says it all, doesn't it? I mean, talk about mismanaging a situation. That's what New England did when they lost him last year. Well, I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you annex that into a different mismanagement, Grumpy. Before we get to our sponsor for the podcast today, uh, it is DraftKings, Grumpy old man. Two of the sport's most respected fighters step back in the octagon this weekend to compete for the welterweight title. Uh, DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a shot for huge cash prizes uh, for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering new players a shot at millions of dollars, millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for the shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. The promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum of $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay. Let it rain, right? Make it rain. That's what you want to do with DraftKings, right? I was about to say, Grump. That's what. That's what. That's the goal, right? To make it rain. I understand, Grumpy. Yep. Totally. <laughs> now, Grumpy old man, I I don't know where I want to start off, Grump. There was some Islanders news. I, I think it, I think it would be good to start off on a good and positive note, Grumpy old man. 
The Islanders, since our last podcast, have won two, count it, two games, grumpy old man, and uh, important games as well, especially because the last time we had done a live stream slash podcast, we were dead last in the Eastern Division, grumpy old man. Now we are sitting right now at fourth. Again, we do have uh, – some other teams do have games in hand over us, grumpy old man. Uh, but the Islanders beat, since our last podcast, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New Jersey Rangers. The New York Rangers, not the New Jersey Rangers. The New York Rangers, yes, Grumpy. I mean, how long have you been a fan of hockey? Do you know any? You don't even know where the teams are located now, Grumpy. Actually, this is my first ever uh, podcast. This is my first time ever watching hockey. Oh well, I can tell by some of the comments you've made in the past. You didn't know anything about the sport, so I'm not surprised there. But they were two big wins, and the big one really was Pittsburgh. I I don't think that the Rangers are going to be much of a threat. Uh, and I also don't think that, uh, like I mentioned, Jersey or Buffalo with their COVID situations, I think that's going to wind up kind of taking care of them. They're going to have to make up so many games in a short amount of time. I just think they're growing out of gas. And so Pittsburgh is the team that I was concerned about. Uh, not Probably not the type of game that uh, Barry Trotz wanted the Islanders to play, but we did come away with a W, which we had to, honestly. It was almost must win at this point in time. And then, as you remember, I did initially predict two Islander victories, but I figured if I do that, the Islanders have not been doing well. So I went to three points, and sure enough, we pulled out the four. Grumpy, if we're talking about just just the odds and betting, Grumpy old man, I figure you're just going to go ahead and keep rolling out the fours there, four points out of the next two games. Grumpy, I was shocked to see you change things up a little bit. Well, I told you, I, I felt like I was jinxing the Islanders somehow by being too positive. So I said, let me go a little bit more negative, a little dark so that uh, we could have a little bit more production on the scoreboard. Grumpy old man, I also have to bring something to light. You see, we got a new little aesthetic look going on here. We got a new little layout, grumpy old man. I want to get your initial take. It's very nice. Very nice. Islanders never say die. I guess I got a, we got a bird. We got an F. We got a, a red thing with an arrow. And um, I guess those are, those are social media things, correct? Uh, so yes. Guys, yes. Facebook. Twitter, haha, for a bird, and YouTube. Yes, Grumpy. Yes, Grumpy. So you can go ahead and play the uh, you're not familiar with the social media game. But come on now. You know these ones. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. That's pretty obvious, Grumpy old man. Um, I, I did not realize that we had a YouTube channel. Yes. Yes, Grumpy. I, I managed that. Yes, we do, have a YouTube, we do have a YouTube channel, Grumpy old man. For that. anybody... In case they do go ahead and miss the live stream and they want to go ahead and watch your crazy reactions and I guess my flabbergasted look at times, they can go ahead and do so and post and watch it on YouTube. Yes. Actually, I think you should make kind of clips, you know, clips that make me look good and you look foolish. I think those those would really do well, I think. <laughs> Just clips of you going off, right, Grumpy? Why not? <laughs> that's, hey, that's what people want. They, people want to see a train wreck, don't they? Isn't that what they want to see? They don't want to see some dull, boring statistics like you like to bring. They like to see somebody go crazy. Uh, that's what I think people like to see. We have a mix of flair, grumpy old man, definitely a lot of charisma on your side. And I'd like to think that with every little outburst, there's a small revelation and a small bit of truth that people are able to expunge upon and say, you know what? Maybe this grumpy old man isn't so grumpy and crazy after all. I don't know. That's something they have to decide, isn't it? <laughs> after, a few, after a few losses in a row, I'm certainly grumpy. Or some bad moves, moves by the fossil or uh, the armadillo, 
I mean, those are the type of things that make me grumpy. What can I tell you? I will tell you, grumpy. Uh, that that was that was exactly what we needed here over the next two games, over the last two games. I'll tell you one thing: the Penguins, a man, oh man. I looked at her upcoming schedule, grumpy. You want to talk about a crucial ten-game stretch? Just recently, I believe it was an article that was put out. I can't remember what Islanders website put it out, but the Islanders they said are benefiting from a easy schedule. And I'll tell you this much. If you look at that, you know, there's there's context to be had with that, right? The Islanders have played so far the Rangers three times, the Devils twice, and they played the uh, Washington Capitals twice without Ovechkin, Orloff, Samsonov, and Kuznetsov. So definitely some diminished teams. You could argue, yes, that is a relatively weak schedule. In the next five games, Grumpy Old Man, or in the next ten games, Grumpy Old Man, we play the Pittsburgh Penguins five times, count it, Grumpy, five times, the Boston Bruins twice, and the Buffalo Sabres three times. Main oh man, you want to talk about the next 10-game stretch. You're going to be playing teams that are going to be competing for a playoff spot. I mean, it's neck and neck right now. I mean, the, the Penguins and the Islanders are right there for the fourth spot. There is going to be some crazy – there's going to be some crazy games, I feel like, Grumpy Old Man, coming up here in the next 10-game 10, 10 stretch. Well, it's funny. Out of 10 games, that's like 10 Super Bowls that Tom Brady's come want to. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, we play them five times. Tom Brady's won seven. Count them, seven Super Bowl championships. Uh, but it is a pivotal time for us, honestly. It is. And like I mentioned last week, the, the team we need to beat is Pittsburgh. That's the team that we're going to be competing for for that fourth and final playoff spot. I don't – and I, I really it's kind of early for me to say I've conceded the first, first three spots to Washington, Boston, and Philadelphia. But I just I, – I honestly feel that those three are going to, are going to qualify – um, so Pittsburgh is a team we have to take care of, really is. I, I won't say the first three. I will say it looks like definitely cemented in the Boston Bruins are going to be sitting at number one. I'll tell you that much. They've played the same exact amount of games as the Islanders. I think have six more points this early yet in the season. The Boston Bruins, we knew we were going to go ahead and pick things back up. They struggled scoring five-on-five five goals to start the season. We only knew it was a matter of time before they were able to pick up form, grumpy old man. Um, yeah, but again, like this is this is going to be a team where the Islanders, we talked about it beforehand, spots three to seven I think are an absolute toss-up in this division. And when you're playing those teams that are going to be you know, riddled anywhere between three and seven, you have to make sure you come away with points, if not victories. So having five of our next ten games against the Pittsburgh Penguins, man, oh, man, this is a crucial stretch. I know it's early in the season, but this is a crucial stretch. You lose too many of those games or you come away with not enough points, you really put yourself in a hole and make it an uphill battle and climb in order to make the playoffs. Right. And the key is even if you lose, you want to get that that consolation point. Um you know, you don't want to come away with no points. I mean, that, that's the way to fall out of a playoff spot really fast. Even if you lose a game, as long as you get the one point for bringing it to overtime, it's kind of like a little bit of a victory. Uh, that's why I was so happy that we beat Pittsburgh just before the end of the game. So they get zero, we get two. And uh, I think now, are we tied for fourth or in fourth right now with those two wins? We're in fourth place, I believe, Grumpy. Okay, we're moving. From last to fourth. I was about to say, it's early yet, and you're going to see a lot of moving and jostling around as teams really haven't cemented themselves large enough leads to stick in a one-spot, week-to-week basis, uh, grumpy old man. But, yeah, these, this is going to be an important stretch. It's going to be an important stretch. And there's some Islanders news coming on. The, there's some Islanders news that happened over the last little bit. Obviously, Josh hosting. But I want to get to a few comments, Grump, and I feel like you're going to like this. Brian chiming in early saying, hey, that goat jersey looks like a Matt Martin shirt, grumpy old man. How do you want me to respond to that? Matt Martin, on his best day, 
I don't know if there's anything he does better than Tom Brady. I bet you Tom Brady is probably a better hockey player than Matt Moore. <laughs> I just figured I'd bring it up here. And Jerry's saying, I've been waiting for this all night. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we're again, we are always going to be here Wednesday uh, at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And this Saturday, again, we're going to go back to having a post-game podcast slash live stream, Grumpy Old Man. So, again, this Saturday we're going to be uh, live streaming after the 7 o'clock game, Grumpy. Well, that's cool. Who are we playing on Saturday? Is that a Pittsburgh game? I'm just guessing since, you know, it's, you know, every other one. I've got a 50-50 shot pretty much. So, Pittsburgh, okay. Yes, Grumpy. I believe we're playing Pittsburgh on Saturday. Okay. Yeah, Pittsburgh there on Saturday at 7. So, we'll get – and, again, like I thought we matched up pretty well against Pittsburgh. I think there was a few boneheaded mistakes made on the defensive side of the puck by the Islanders. Um, But you know what I've noticed in the last two games, Grumpy? As miserable as the as, – I won't say as miserable. As pedestrian as the fourth line has been all season long, they came out firing. Uh, and I think, again, like they, they were the sole reason we won that game uh, against the, the Rangers, right? They accounted for both goals. I thought they played a very valiant effort. I thought they really picked up a play. I thought it had been relatively uh, pedestrian throughout the season, but they look good here. Yeah, well, okay. They still need to go. I don't. I don't care that they had one good game and half of a good game against Pittsburgh. Uh, we need to get younger there. We need to move on from those guys. Uh, you know, they do just enough to hang around. Is that what you want? Yeah. Hey, they're just okay. Yeah, they had a good game against the Rangers. Whoop de do. I mean, still. I mean, they have been one of the worst lines in hockey. I mean, is that what you want to continue? Like I said, maybe. They listened to the grumpy old man when he said maybe they should sit Matt Martin and put in Jarnak. Maybe they should do that. I think Eyes on Isles was uh, uh, listening to the grumpy old man. I was about to say, Grumpy, I wanted to get your opinion. You told me, and you sent the article right afterwards, right? You know, it's like a few days later or a day or two after Grumpy Old Man on the live stream of the podcast was saying, you know what? Our fourth line should look like Sarnak, Sezikis, and Cal Clutterbuck. And I believe you even threw the caveat in saying Cal Clutterbuck hasn't had a great start to the season so far this year, but with the talent he brings, he should definitely be still cemented in on that third line wing spot. And sure enough, Grumpy, you sent me an article. Yeah, go ahead. Fourth line wing spot. I'm sorry, fourth line wing spot. Thank you, Grumpy. But sure enough, you sent me that article, and I was like, oh, my gosh, Grumpy old man. They almost repeated and parodied exactly what you had mentioned there on the live stream of the podcast. It's like you're getting the information three or four days early. And, again, not all the crummy information Isles on Isles post, Grumpy old man. Only the good stuff. Only the quality stuff. Right, Grump? I don't dislike Eyes on Isles. Like, as I've said before, they're like the National Enquirer for the Islanders. So I and here's the thing, I enjoy some sensationalistic material also. So I don't have a problem with them at all. I did find it funny that they used some of amount of sentences that I used. I, you know, they just shouldn't give me credit. I give them credit when uh, you know, because I mean, like I said, I read their stuff uh, and I give them credit, positive or negative. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna not give someone credit. They should at least own up and give the grumpy old man credit. That's all I'm just saying. <laughs> And I'm going to tell you what, Arthur Staple does the same thing. Oh, Grumpy, if this is not a conspiracy theory, if I've ever heard one, not only is Eyes on Isles taking the Grumpy Old Man's tidbits, but also Arthur Staple, Grumpy. We'll have to make sure we keep everybody posted if we see any more developments, Grump. Uh, we got another comment here from Brian saying, hey, guys, what do you think about Patrick Liney? He looks miserable in Columbus. Got benched. Is it time for the Islanders to get their guy? Well, I want him here. Uh, I want him here before that trade. 
I can't believe he's been benched already. I haven't actually, I've been really, really busy at work. So I haven't been able to watch other teams games as much as I like to. So uh, unfortunately uh, I did not realize that he'd been benched, but he was unhappy in Winnipeg. He's unhappy there. I mean, I, he doesn't seem like a, a fit with Tortorella, honestly, uh, but I'd still like him here. I'd love to see him playing with Matt Barzal. Here's, here's my question, Grumpy. I know Tortorella is an abrasive coach. If he's not a good fit there, uh, what makes you think it's going to be any different here with the Islanders, grumpy old man? Well, it's either that or we could send him to the Swedish league and see how that works out. No, no, serious question before we touch on Josh Hosang. Serious yeah. question, grumpy. What makes you think he would fit here with the Islanders? If, again, he seems to be – you talk about players who seem to have problems where they go. And Winnipeg, I, I won't say there was anything like bombastic saying, oh, he's not doing X, Y, Z. But there are certain players that always seems to have, you know, problems and question marks thrown behind their names. We're going to talk about one of our very own here in a bit, grumpy old man. But that seems to be an issue here following Patrick Line. You know what I mean? Now he's having issues. He's getting benched because he's not doing what he's supposed to do by Tortorella. So, I mean, what makes you think that's going to change if you were to join Barry Trotz and the Islanders? Well, I'll be, he's 22 years old, okay? What does he do? He's one of the best. He's one of the best players in the league. He scores. He's a goal scorer. Teams need goals. You know what? You would, as a coach, a good coach, adjusts his system to the talent that he has. That's what made Al Arbor so spectacular as a coach. Barry Trotz does not do that. It's his system, and you better adhere to it, or you're going to be sitting, or you're going to be sent to Sweden. I mean, that's what happens. I mean, and. Honestly, and I'm not saying Barry Trotz isn't a good coach. I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like that because he is an excellent coach. But at some point in time, your team is desperate for people who can put the puck in the net, and you have to. You have to bring players like that in. I'm not even going to mention the draft or some of the players in the who've been performing very, very well in the AHL uh, as opposed to some of the people we've picked. I know. Uh, you know what, Grumpy, just because you're uh, – I won't say you're too bashful. I think you don't want to go ahead and do so. Yeah, Philip Tomasino is off to a pretty hot start there uh, in the A. Uh, Casper, as you call him, the interior term there for Simon Holmstrom. And, well, again, Bridgeport is not off to a great start. Um, Bodie Wild got his first start just recently, Grumpy Old Man, for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Uh, had an assist, set up a goal there. I believe it was from – to Samuel Bolduck. Uh, on the power play opportunity, again, it was just a slap shot from the point. Nothing too crazy or spectacular. Good slap shot. Um, grumpy old man. I, I, I do want to ask – I want to hit this question one more time. Seriously, though, I know you say that things need to change there with Barry Trotz. He needs to more f- situate his coaching style around the players and the tools he has on. I don't disagree with that. My question, though, is this. We don't. I don't foresee that being something that might happen. And if it doesn't happen, let's just assume the status quo is going to remain similar. Grumpy old man, what makes you think that he would fit well with Barry Trotz? If again, Tortorella is, you know, Tortorella is a no, no nonsense coach, Grump. It's true. I think he's more no nonsense than Trotz, honestly. Um, very bombastic. Uh, I, you know what? You have to take a chance on talent. I mean, that, that's all I'm going to say. The guy has scored how many goals in his career? I mean, a lot. I mean, he was a 40 goal scorer already. I mean, do we have anybody on our team? I mean, I know below average scored 41 one year when Tavares was his center. But I mean, that was a long time ago. And do you see that happen anytime soon? I sure don't. We need production. We need offense. 
I would love to see him with a playmaker like Matt Barzal. I mean, I, I just would. I mean, you know what? You can work with a guy to get better on defense, but he brings something that we don't have, and that's, you know, a super shot and some real goal-scoring ability. I mean, I watched Panarin the other night, and everyone knows I wanted Panarin on this team. He didn't want to come here. He would have been absolutely perfect for us because he actually made a couple of nice defensive plays for the Rangers, which, you know, defensive plays do go underappreciated unless you're an Islander because we don't play any offense. We're always in our own zone for the most part. Uh, but he made a nice uh, job back-checking to break up a two-on-one. I mean, I was like, man, that guy would have been perfect for us. Yeah, it is. But you know what? I'm not going to cry over that spilt milk. Uh, but you know what? If, if there's a chance to pick up somebody who can put some pucks into that, I'm all for it. Ah, grumpy old man. Okay, gotcha. Uh, I just want to go ahead and clarify there. We have a comment here from Scott, and this is obviously probably the most notable news here from today. Josh Hosang was released from a Swedish team earlier today. Do you think Lou Lemurillo and the Islanders are finally done with him? Grumpy old man. And before I let you dive into that, I want to read the exact quote, the exact quote from Nicholas Johansson, the sports manager. He says, we are grateful that we've been given this chance by the New York Islanders. Unfortunately, we feel that things have not turned out as we had intended josh is far behind in training in terms of the rest of the group and the adjustments to our game has not gone fast as as fast as we'd hoped grumpy old man wow wow i'll tell you that is not a pretty picture painted there by nicholas johansson i'll tell you that much and again most times are but what do you say right i mean after five games you determine that no he's not somebody we need as we push towards the actual playoffs wow one thing, right? How long have they been playing in the Swedish Elite League this season? They've been playing for quite a while, right? Yes. Josh Hosang did not have – he didn't get to practice. He didn't get any time on, uh, you know, in our training camp. He was just sent there. So how long has he been there? There's no way he's going to be in the same cardio. Remember, you don't get to spend a whole lot of ice time with the coronavirus in, the, uh, in this country or even in Canada. That's one thing that a lot of players have realized. They haven't, haven't been able to skate because of restrictions. So, you know, he's limited. And then you throw him in there in the middle of the season and you expect him just to jump right in and perform. Is five games enough? I don't know. I don't believe so. That said, maybe he didn't want to go there. Maybe he was unhappy that he never got a shot here. Maybe he went over and sulked. I have no idea. But I was surprised that we signed him in the offseason. Why? If you had no interest in playing him, why didn't you just let him go? I, mean, I, I will chime in here, Grumpy. That is a good point about the conditioning standpoint. And people do forget. We have, again, we know people who play professionally, uh, Grumpy Old Man, who had mentioned that they were not allowed to skate at all before camp this year and when they got there it was just it was completely they're out of shape they were they, they weren't at the same cardiovascular level as some of these other guys who were afforded that opportunity and that is something i think i completely omitted when i saw that he had issues there with conditioning i was like man oh man there's something about not being in shape i was like come on yeah i mean like that's just lack of professionalism that's a good point though grumpy i you know this was this also might have had something to do there with covid i'm trying to I'm, not, I'm, you know, what I mean, I'm trying to take an unbiased approach, not make excuses for the young man. At some point, though, you want to see him be able to pull through the adversity. I don't think it's ever happening here. It definitely is not a good look, though, um, when he gets kind of sent back home. I, I'll say released there from the team he was on to the Swedish elitely grumpy old man. Maybe he sulked. Maybe he was unhappy once he was sent there. I'm not sure. You know, 
at one point in time, you're just going to run out of chances. And I feel like, unfortunately, that's where it is for this young man. I, if there's, he's, he's done with the Islanders organization. I, I really do believe that, honestly. And I'll tell you one thing. The Bridgeport Sign Tigers offense is hideous. Our forwards are hideous down there. So are you trying to tell me he wouldn't be able to play for the Sound Tigers also? Because I'll be interested to see what happens with him long term for this year. Okay. First off, he was never given a chance with our team. Never. Not once. Um, ever since Lamarillo and Trotz got here, that kid never had a shot. And I, why would they? Why would you not send him to Bridgeport? Why did you feel it, that you had to send him overseas? To me, that's a slap in the face to the kid. I'm sorry. I mean, you look at some of the dreck that they have at Bridgeport. Is he really not as good as some of those players? I mean, Tanner Fritz. I mean, Tanner Fritz is your number one center. Casper plays. If Casper plays, I know Josh Hosang is better than Casper. I know he is. I've seen them both play. Casper sucks. I've never seen a, I, I've never seen a worse prospect, and it gets worse every day. When you see Tomasino – and McMichael and Cali have lightened it up, and you got Casper over there. Just I don't know what he does, you know. But he's a friendly little ghost. He don't even hit anybody either. <laughs> it's disappointing. I, I I don't know. I'm not. I, I like I said I don't know. I know he's had issues, or supposedly, who knows? Uh, maybe he's got an attitude problem. But to me, it's about talent. If you can get better talent on the ice. With it, with this veteran locker room, do you don't not think that they could uh, make him toe the line? We have so many bets on this team. You're playing Leo Komarov every night. You're playing Leo freaking Komarov every night. What does he bring to the table? I mean, it's just so frustrating. I don't know. Well, Grumpy, he's a great penalty killer. That's what he brings to the table. I'll tell you this much. Man, oh, man. Leo Komarov is still in the lineup, Grumpy. Don't ask me why. He definitely – the athletic posted their grades. I don't know who made, I don't know who had the article, but they posted grades for certain, you know, the play. Who's that, Crumpy? It was Arthur Staple. Arthur Staple posted the grades he thought players had for this point of the season. Leo Komarov was sitting, I think, at a D plus or a D or D minus, somewhere in the D range, the only Islander in the D range. Grumpy old man, I know you argued with me afterwards saying that he should have been in the F tier status, Leo Komarov. F, he should have been a Z or an F minus. He's terrible. I don't know how he gets in the lineup every night. Well, it just – here's the thing. They don't want to play young guys. Kiefer Bellows, he's an afterthought now. He's an afterthought. I thought he played well with Rallstrom. One game together. One game. And we keep on recycling the same garbage through. We get a couple of good games. Michael Del Cole, right? And Michael Del Cole has actually had a decent last two games. I thought he was really good against Pittsburgh. I thought he was not as good against the Rangers, but he was still hustling. Uh, but you know what? Is that all it takes to be a second-line player on the Islanders? What are you going to do when Anthony Bavillier comes back? I mean, are you going to dump him on the third line? Actually, I wouldn't mind him on a third line, Pajot, Bavillier, and Wallstrom. I wouldn't mind that. What's wrong with that line? I mean, the second line right now is Jordan Eberle. You got Kroc, who's been an absolute zero, and you got Del Cole, who, all right, he's a point one. But, I mean, everything's been about Everly because he's hot right now. If he ever runs yeah, – and that's the thing with snipers, right? And him in particular, he's a streaky player. Now he's on a hot streak. What happens to that line when he goes off the hot streak? They're going to go back scoring zero goals. Josh Bailey's on the first line, and he can't do anything. He's taking the first line down with him with his ineptitude. <sighs> Grumpy old man. 
Mm-mm. I've got a few well, comments here. But ser- but seriously, I mean, Nelson and Bailey, right? Well, we were expecting big things from them. Not me. I never expect anything from them. And I've not been I've not been disappointed with you. I'll be honest, grumpy old man. I do expect you know, Brock Nelson, his poor play and performance so far this season was shocking to me. I was not expecting him to be off to such a poor start. And again, it's early, uh, grumpy old man. He has uh, – we've talked about it many times. He has improved the most out of any Islander under Barry Trotz, and he fits so well into the system. But, again, it looks defensively in transition and the offensive side of this – in the offensive zone. He just looks like he's not there. Not again, I, I'm not even sure what it is. He just isn't there. He's been terrible. He's been making poor decisions. He seems like he's a step slow. He just he just hasn't been good this year. Like I said, is no October. October always inflated his rather you know meaningless stats throughout his career, and now it's you know February. He, he traditionally doesn't do anything in February, and neither does Josh Bailey. But Josh Bailey doesn't do anything any months of the year. So, <laughs> well, speaking of that, Grumpy Brian, actually, I was waiting to show this. Brian said, "Can we get a missing missing persons case for Bailey on a mill cart?" And Grumpy. I could only wish that he was actually missing so we could put someone else in the lineup. He's terrible. He's been terrible. He's been terrible. Yeah, I'm going to guarantee we protect him in the expansion draft. He'll probably have – oh, there's Lou Lamarillo right now. But I'm going to tell you what. He's probably going to be protected in uh, in the expansion draft, the guy who's maybe going to have 10 points on the year, and that's a guy you protect. Thirty In his 30s, making $5 million a year. That's the type of guy you protect. But we're going to expose Kiefer Bellows. Why? Because he's on a manageable contract and is probably going to have more points than Josh Bailey in like maybe 10 or 15 games this year. Oh, grumpy. I, well, I want to ask you a quick question. Now, you say that's Lou Lamarillo on the phone. Did you just let it go straight to voicemail? What happened, Grump? I didn't see you answer the phone. He doesn't deserve my response. <laughs> he's been a failure. He's been a failure. When you and the general manager of the year for picking up uh, J.G. Pajot, who I love, and Andy Green, who's – He's like a tour. He's like he's becoming the Leo Komarov of the defense right now. If it wasn't for how poorly Mayfield and Letty have been playing recently, it'd really stick out how bad he's been. All I know is Dobson is one of our better defensemen, and he's getting his minutes cut. I mean, I'm just I don't understand it. He keeps on rolling the same guys out there, and you expect better results from guys who haven't been performing. At the beginning of the year, do you remember what defense pairing I said I was really concerned about? Mayfield and Letty. And they've been really bad. Even against the Rangers, they were not good. And they were really bad against Pittsburgh. Uh, I just, like I said, they worried me because the other guys carried them uh, when they were playing. I, I will tell you one thing. I don't think Boychuk at the end carried Nicoletti. I think Nicoletti's always been just kind of like a secondary piece. Um, I'll tell you one thing. I think Mayfield does miss Devon Taves. Certainly he does. Um, but again, grumpy old man, I – you saw on the ratings too, right? Arthur Staple didn't think too much of the production so far of Nick Lady, Nick Letty, and Scott Mayfield. Um, I'll tell you, it's they're going to take some time to get used to each other, and uh, you have to hope long term it's going to they're going to gel well because the offensive production needs to come. But in the same token, we need to kind of shore things up on the defensive side of the puck. There's a few goals against that I'm sure they're out there on the ice. They'd like to go ahead and press, you know, the opposing, the opposing team a little more that they'd kind of sat back a little bit, in my opinion. So again, there's definitely some room for improvement in their game. Well, I mean, I'm also, you know, think about Pellick. I don't think Pellick's been as good this year. I mean, he got just walked around by Sidney Crosby. I mean, 
on a whole, I don't think our defense has been as good as it was last year. I think the Dobson has really stepped up. But other than that, mm, I mean, Green looks like I said a step or two slow. Letty and Mayfield are not a good pair together, I don't think. Um, Pulak's been okay, and I think Pelic has taken a little bit of a step back also. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the year plays out. I know they've been shooting the puck more and trying to generate more offense from the defensive end. You know, I know a remedy for that. Get better offensive players. I mean, if you want to be a better offensive team, I mean, I know you want to activate the D at some point. But besides, really, if you think about it, who's the only puck carrier who consistently can carry the puck without losing it going into the zone is Dobson. Because Lenny can do it, but he's going to turn it over. He does it all the time. I'll tell you one thing. Again, like as much as I think Letty does have short falls, I think he does a good job of transitioning the puck and carrying it into the offensive zone as to what happens afterwards, whether it's, you know, know, an an accurate shot on net, uh, dispossessed from the puck, you know, you know, so be it, Grump. But he usually does a good job of bringing the puck in the offensive zone. Yeah, I got to stop you because he never shoots the puck. So it's not like he has an in He he won't shoot the puck. But he gets – if he's on a rush – He's going to get stripped as soon as he gets in the zone. Watch it. Watch. If you ever see him carry the puck end-to-end, he turns it over as soon as he gets over that blue line. Maybe maybe he figures it's jello or something or some type of fourth field that slows the puck up, but he loses the puck. Dobson's the only guy I really trust to rush the puck. Gosh, grumpy old man. I got a comment here from Michael saying, what do you think we can get from for Bailey in a trade? I think we can get maybe a puck bag. Not even a bag of pucks, just a puck bag. A used one, of course, not brand new. Uh, now, here's the thing. Josh Bailey, I think he'd be perfect for an expansion team. Really would. Because he is a solid citizen. Is he a great player? No. Uh, but he's a guy for an expansion team. You could make him an assistant captain. I don't think he's vocal enough to be a captain. But he is a solid citizen, and he'd give you like 20, 30 points a year, uh, maybe 40. But uh, – I, I don't. I don't see any trade value for him. I mean, really, what is he? What? What outstanding characteristic does Josh Bailey have besides that he plays a lot of games? I mean, because that's it. I'll t- again, like he. I think as Barry Trotz has put it, he is a Swiss Army knife. I don't think he does anything necessarily at the elite level, as some people like to say, the elite winger. I think he has good vision. His passes are really nice at times. I wouldn't put it in the elite category. Again, like when I'm thinking about a guy who had elite passing ability, I'm thinking about Henrik or Daniel Sedin, again, who made their living off of those crisp passes. That's what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking elite passes. I'm not thinking good passes are elite, grumpy old man. You said it there the offseason. I mean, the most value you would ever get for Josh Bailey in the trade was coming off of last year's postseason. He had a great postseason, put up a lot of points. He was at an all-time high in value. Again, I don't think removing Josh Bailey anytime soon. He's here to say, unless the Islanders expose him in the uh, expansion draft. But I don't think the Islanders are ever going to purposely trade Josh Bailey in the near future. Well, that's why your team doesn't get better, because you fall in love with guys who are just average players. I mean, yeah, he does a lot of things okay. Nothing stands out about it. Nothing. He doesn't do anything extremely well. You can put him in every situation, and he won't hurt your team. I mean, is that really a characteristic? Yeah, hey, you want to know what we got? Here's Josh Bailey. He's not going to hurt you. I mean, is that what you put underneath on his back of his bubblegum card? You know, Gretzky leads the league in scoring. Josh Bailey, hey, he takes a regular shift. I mean, you know, that I mean, really, that's the extent of it, right? He, he's the king of the secondary assist, right? He'll make the first pass to somebody who makes a great pass, 
that leads to a goal. It's not like he ever really sets anybody up. And here's the thing. Casper is Josh Bailey 2.0. I'll tell you, I think you're being a little bit disingenuous, grumpy old man. He's not just a minute eater. I'll tell you that, Grump. Uh, We do have a comment here from Brian saying, that's the problem with this team. The fourth line scores two goals. Most teams score five to six goals if their fourth line scores two goals. Those two goals are just that. If the fourth line gets two goals on our team, we throw a parade. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what that's what happens. When your team doesn't score, you think, oh, my gosh, it's like someone's coming down from the mount because we scored two – our fourth line scored two goals. I could care less if they scored two goals. That line should be bye-bye. Adios for that line. Because we're not go- we're not going anywhere with that line. I don't care that they played good for a game and a half. I don't care. So what? Are you trying to tell me that the younger players couldn't do the same thing much better with more energy? I, it's supposed to be an energy line, an identity line, right? We call it the identity line. What is our identity? One of the worst teams in hockey because they're one of the worst lines in hockey. Is that our identity? Maybe we get lucky and score one or two goals in a game. I mean, think about it. I'm going to tell you what, though. Ever since Josh Bailey went on that first line, they've done nothing. Nothing. I mean, here's the thing. You got Matt Barzal was able to – he's able to drag Lee around, but he can't drag both Lee and Bailey, the two anchors of this roster. He can't drag them to superiority. He just can't do it. Oh, gosh. Going to be old, man. I do have a comment here from Jason saying that Bailey is ready to heat up. I'll tell you one thing. Again, I – if Bailey started to heat up, we would be in we'd be in good shape because again, he, he hasn't had a great start to the season. If him and Brock Nelson, because both of those guys have been underwhelming this year, the fourth line has been pedestrian. So again, if those players were to pick up their play, I mean, we'd be in really good shape, Grumpy, for certain. But again, that's like all the stars and the moon and the sun aligning all at once. I have heard that Josh Bailey is getting ready to heat up because he did order some cans of Sterno from Amazon, so he'll be cooking with fire pretty soon. I don't expect I don't expect anything to heat up on the ice though. I just like I said my expectation for him is the same as every year. He sucks. <laughs> Grumpy old man. He's gotta stop. He's he doesn't suck. He, he hasn't been playing, he hasn't been performing really well. And again, and he's, he's another guy who's he's another guy who's relatively uh streaky too, Grump. And anything you get from him, anything you get from him is a bonus. The way I look at it. He he's a th- he's a third line player. He's a third-line player, but somehow he plays in the first, and he keeps on making his way up to the first line, not to anything that he does, other guys not producing. Let's put Josh Bailey up there. I mean, at least he won't hurt us. That's that's the way they look at it. I mean, he, he brings nothing, nothing offensively to the team, nothing. Mm-hmm. Grumpy old man, I do want to go ahead and bring in. Dave said the Islanders play the Bruins on Saturday. Yes, Dave, I made a mistake there. The Islanders do play the Bruins on Saturday. They play the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow, Grumpy, on Thursday. That's where I got the mistake. Uh, but yes, so we play the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins, our next two games. Two big games, but again, five games in the next 10 against the Pittsburgh Penguins, two against the Boston Bruins, and three against the Buffalo Sabres. A huge stretch for the Islanders. I don't know. I'm not gonna not gonna be happy on Saturday because somehow the Bruins, right? They couldn't score a goal five on five, right? They put a bunch of young kids in the lineup, not afraid to step on some toes, put some young kids in the lineup, bingo, bango, bongo. They've been rolling ever since. I mean, what do the young guys bring, right? They bring energy. Do we have anyone on this team who brings energy? Whenever they do, we sit them down. 
I mean, you see Wallstrom. He's been out there busting it. You saw it with Bellows all the time. And somehow, well, we're going to sit them down. We're going to we're going to play the Leo Comrades, the Michael Del Coles. And you listen to the broadcasters. Oh, look at the way he hustles in the corner. That's what he's. That's what you're supposed to do when you can't when you can't make a pass and you can't shoot the puck. At least you can do his bang. I don't have a problem. You know, put Michael Del Cole on the fourth line. He's a fourth line player type. I got no problem with that. He's a fourth liner. But he's on the second line on this team. I mean, it's just so frustrating. How about we demote the whole second line because they've been terrible all year? Move. And when Villio comes back up, I try him with uh, Pajot. Why not? I think they have chemistry and put him out there with Wallstrom. That's what I would do. Give him a shot. Yeah, they're both guys who could skate well, grumpy old man. And you're getting, you're still looking for offense. And I'll tell you one thing: it still doesn't affect the time on the ice they get on the special teams unit there with Anthony Bavillier. Now he will not be back for Thursday's game. I think maybe, hopefully, they're they're shooting for Saturday. Um, it sounds like he's coming close to uh, nearing a return. A grumpy old man. If it's not by the end of this week, hopefully by you know the beginning or the middle of next week, grumpy old man. Have also a comment here from Vinny. He says, "Now this is a long one, grumpy. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to have you. Uh, hold on. I'm gonna look at your face here before I read it. This is a long one, grumpy old man. We're gonna have to have you buckle in." Uh, he says, Vinny says, I have to agree with Trotz tonight, leaving Bailey on the first line and not moving him to the fourth line. We would have lost the fourth line tonight was the, the fourth line was working. Well, we all know moving Bailey, to the fourth line that would just have done nothing like when he was on the first or the second line. How did Josh do that night? He lost all four faceoffs. Uh, had one giveaway, no goals, no assists. Uh, in addition, he's still on the power play, yet he has not scored a power play goal in his last 52 games. Last power play goal was on January 21st of 2020. Ridiculous. I mean, and somehow this guy never sits. This guy gets elevated. How, how do these guys get elevated with numbers like that? How many points does he have this year? Two? Three? I mean, we are 20% through the season right now, and this guy's got three points. Yeah, he's he's got three goals here, Grumpy Old Man. Wow, I did not know. Bailey has Josh, three goals? Three points, Grumpy Old Man. Josh Bailey has three points, and I did not know that Josh Bailey had not scored a power play goal for that long. I know he's got no power play goals this year, and I, you know, based off of how miserable the power play bit has been there in the past, I don't doubt that he has not scored many power play goals, but yet still receives a lot of power play minutes. Okay. What's the one thing you have to do on a power play to score a goal? You have to shoot the puck. He refuses. He won't shoot the puck. That's why him and Letty over there playing with one another. Bing, bing, back, 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 back. Nobody shoots the puck. And there it is. You know, everyone, oh, the Islanders power play that Pittsburgh was so fantastic. They were in the zone for over a minute and only took one shot. They were playing with it along the boards like they always do. And it just happened to be a, they just happened to get a goal on the deflection. And I believe it was below average Anders was able to tip it in, which actually was a nice play by him. Finally, he did something right. I will tell you one thing. I think you think Anders hasn't been off to a great start. I think Anders has played much better this year than he did last season. 
I think Andersley last year was pedestrian at best. I think he's done a lot better in his battles in front of the boards, and I think they've done a lot to help supply him with offensive opportunities. Instead of Matt Barzal continually just skating in circles, trying to find the open man with a pass, you've been seeing, again, their defenders, even like Dobson and you know Nicoletti, they're throwing the puck more towards the net where Anders Lee can make those deflections. And that's when Anders Lee is in his best-case scenario, when he can park himself in front of the net, make those redirections, and cash in on a few goals. Do you think he's been worth $7 million this year? No, Grump. All I'm saying is, can you agree that he's had a better year this year than he's had last year? Uh, yeah, but he was so brutally bad last year. I mean, I, you, when you set the ball, and that's one thing I understand, and they love to do it. They love you do it. You're doing it now too. Guess what? You're getting paid seven million dollars a year. You need it. You need to score at least thirty goals, absolute minimum. He didn't do it last year, and he's not going to do it this year. Even if you prorate it, it's not going to be there. Okay, it's just not going to happen. If you prorate his, what does he got? Four goals. I don't even know how many he has. Three, maybe three goals, four goals. If you prorate it, it's not even thirty. I mean, he is what he is. He's not. He was never worth that contract. And that's those are things that drive me crazy. You throw silly money at a guy like this, who you know, John Tavares isn't here anymore. That's all I can say. John Tavares isn't here. He was a product like Matt Molson, like P.A. Parento, like Kyle Ocposo. Just add them all up. Those, those guys were all products of John Tavares, and that's what Andrew Lee is too. Yeah, Andrew's Lee, grumpy old man. Uh, gotcha here. We have a comment here from Will also saying, let's be real. If it wasn't for Scott Mayfield, Malcolm pots that goal in the third period and we lose that game. Uh, well, Mayfield – no, well, Mayfield made that weak pass to Croc, who also wasn't aggressive enough making a play on a softer pass – and that's when Malkin scored the goal. Uh, I, no, I don't this is, again, like I can't speak to a grump. I was at the wedding there on Saturday. I didn't watch the whole game, grumpy old man. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I guess uh, Scott Mayfield there did get back there in defense and cover Malkin there, preventing him from scoring an additional goal there in the third period. Because, again, I, I do know – I did get to see bits and pieces, grumpy old man. You want to talk about that bad turnover by Cal Clutterbuck. I mean, he redeemed himself later on that period, but, man, oh, man. You want to talk about additional oof, vitriol towards the fourth line, I'm sure you would have had if, you know, that turnover by Cal Clutterbuck cost the Islanders. I mean, we've just been – I mean, uh, seriously, on the defensive end, we've been missing a whole lot of assignments this year. That game, I'm telling you, that game, it was like back and forth, up and down, fire engine hockey in the second and third period. I enjoyed it. Because honestly, watching the Ranger game, uh, watching the Ranger game on Tuesday, oh Monday, I don't even. Here's the thing: I don't remember what day is. It put me to sleep. It was the on game, Monday. It was on Monday, Grumpy. The game put me to sleep. It was so boring to watch. I mean, at least Pittsburgh, there was some action, activity, and I know Trotz. Even though he said, you know, hey, we got had to get points, he couldn't have been happy with the way we played. We're just not playing together as a unit. And for this team to be successful, we have to have the defense and the forwards playing together as one unit. And so far, it's just not been there this season. A grumpy old man. Here, I have a comment here from David saying, Grumpy, would you sit Andy Green and give Ajo a shot? Uh, grumpy, I'll let you answer this first because I've got a response to this as well. I, You can't put Ajo, 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 spit it out, Ajo with Dobson. I don't think that would be a wise pairing. But if you could find some way to put it where you can get Ajo in the lineup, maybe sit Letty, because Dobson has played with uh, Dobson has played with uh, Mayfield this year already. Some 
I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, and then you could have Aho with Lenny, maybe. I mean, maybe. I just think Andy Green is he's just not the player he was. And you're seeing their line, their defense pairing having a minutes cut. And I think it's hurting Dobson. Dobson needs to play more. I'll tell you this much, Grumpy old man. I would not be in favor of sliding Aho in there yet for Andy Green. Again, like the Islanders are a team where defensively they have to have the structure, they have to be really oriented, they can't make those mental mistakes. And again, as much as I guess Sebastian Aho isn't, a, you know, a spry. You know, he's not a, you know, a spry young man anymore. He's he does have some age because he was overage when the Islanders originally drafted him. In the same token, that would be definitely your youngest pairing. You don't want to have uh, those mental mistakes being made. And Sebastian Aho is almost pretty much a polar opposite when it comes there to the stature that he is compared to No Dobson. I guess he is kind of similar to Andy Green. It's smaller, more of a puck-moving defenseman. I, I, To be honest with you, again, I don't think defense is the strongest suit he has. I think it's more of a being a puck-moving defenseman. And uh, with No Dobson also having that strength, I think they needed a guy who's a little bit more defensive-oriented. I think Andy Green has been a step slow, though, this year. I mean, I, I don't – here's the thing. He might have the smarts, but if you don't have the wheels to back it up, it doesn't matter. And that's where I think we are with Andy Green. We got there with Johnny Boychuk, right? I mean, this it's a young man's game. And I like Andy Green, but right now he's being carried by Noah Dobson. He just is. Uh, he's making some mistakes out there. He's a, like a step slow, so he might know what to do, but actually doing it is a problem for him. And But I wouldn't put Dobson with Aho. I just I, – I, I, don't, I don't like that. Mm. Not yet anyway. I was about to say maybe later on in the year. I think when if injuries do happen, I I wouldn't be opposed to Aho playing in some capacity. Um, and again, Aho I think is a more than sufficient skater. He's not a big guy who's going to body people off the puck. I mean, like when when we look even back to Thomas Hickey, he's the last defender I'm thinking that the Islanders had in a regular role. Grumpy old man, he was a smaller defender, but man oh man, I know you didn't like the fact that Thomas Hickey did absolutely de skate Zdeno chart. Thomas Hickey had laid some bone-crushing hits at times. Grumpy old man. That's all I'm going to say. It was his birthday recently, and somebody posted uh, some of the uh, all-time greatest hits from Thomas Hickey. I'll tell you one thing. People forget Thomas Hickey could throw the body around. And again, Sebastian Ajo is not a guy, at least from what I saw in his first taste up there in the NHL, he's not a guy who threw the body around as much as Thomas Hickey. Um, yeah, well, that was how many years ago? When was the last time you saw Sebastian Ajo play? The kid, another guy, no shot of playing. Are you telling me that he's not been as good? I mean, what do you, what do you not see in practice from him? If you're not going to play him, send him to Bridgeport. Bring somebody else up. We're playing 26-year-olds down there and sitting 20-year-olds. I mean, you know, I guess it, it permeates throughout the organization. A 26-year-old couldn't play on the big team, but they're the leaders on the, the team in the minors, and we're going to let the Bodie Wilds and the Grant Huttons, we're going to let those guys sit on the bench every night to play a guy like McKinnon who's 26 years old and has zero future in the NHL. But this guy's going to play every night. I don't understand it. Develop the players. We haven't – how many games has Bridgeport won in, like, the last two years? Like, 20? I mean, come on. <laughs> it's not like you're winning games. I, it's, if you're not winning games, why aren't you developing the young players? Why are you playing the older players? What purpose do they, what purpose do they serve? I, I just – it's so baffling. The way this organization does things just – Boggles the mind sometimes. Well, the reason I was interjecting here, grumpy old man, because you're talking about the ineptitude there of Bridgeport to win games. And it's like David had commented, will Bridgeport go 0 24 this season, grumpy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they'll, win, they'll win a couple games. They'll win a couple games. 
Yeah, I'm sure they will hear Grumpy. Uh, we got a comment here from Scott. Come on, Grumpy. We need a McMichael rant. I, I'm shocked. It would probably be a more of Philip Tomasino rant, Grumpy old man, just for all those keeping score at home for the Chicago Wolves, the AHL affiliate there of the Nashville Predators, I believe, still Grumpy old man. Uh, Philip Tomasino, two goals, three assists in three games. Five points, three games. I can tell you one thing again. I think the Chicago Wolves are quite a bit more offensively uh, talented than the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, but it's safe to assume he might have a good season here in uh, the AHL this year. First of all, what's a wolf? They're wolves. It's wolves. 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 Whatever, Grumpy. It's wolves. Uh, yeah. Every time I see Tomasino scoring, I get a, I get like a pain in my heart because he's the kid I wanted. I wanted him desperately for this team. I thought he would have been perfect as a center for this team. And if he didn't, how about a winger? He, his pattern, patterns his game after Matt Barzal. Maybe that's why they didn't want him, because Matt Barzell produces too much on the offensive end, so they didn't want him. So they picked Casper. I think Casper's had five points in like three or four seasons. This kid's got five and three games. Go figure it out. <laughs> Michael, well, you know, I have I don't know what McMichael's doing right now. Uh, I'm sure, his thing, but I'm sure if I looked it up, I said I have been following like I should have been really busy work-wise. Uh, but I bet if I looked at his stats, he's doing better than Casper too. Oh, grumpy old man. I'll tell you what, well, again, Bridgeport. Another, another guy, another guy who brings offense, right? Another guy who brings offense. What does this team need? Offense. Yeah, I, grumpy. Yeah, grumpy. Uh, again, so uh, I'll just reiterate here the point. Um, for everybody keeping it at home, you can go ahead and mark that little uh, rant off of Simon Holmstrom. Not the correct pick there. Uh, I know it was a little later for your bingo boards, but again, you know, you still might go ahead and be able to yell bingo at the end of the round because Grumpy Old Man made sure to hit the same exact point. I did mention him a little bit earlier today, but I, I promised myself. I said I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to filibuster on it. So that, that's why I made sure that I did. I didn't fill. <laughs> Oh, grumpy old man. Um, here we go. Also comment here from Brian saying, okay, we finished fourth. We can't win the cup. Can we unload, get it started a year early at the deadline of this team? Again, like this team is, this team is built, this team is built with uh, the intention of winning currently. They're an older team. And again, your window is so finite. I, you can't go ahead and offload some of those older players, but we have so many of those players that just kind of makes me cringe. It keeps me up at night, Grumpy. Well, we're not going to be able to unload anybody because they make too much money and they don't bring enough to the table. And with the flat cap, teams don't, nobody has money. Nobody has money. And that, that's going to be an issue for everybody going forward, right? I mean, can you get rid of an Anders Lee? Can you get rid of him? No. Do they even want to? No. Josh Bailey, no. Brock Nelson, no. Jordan Everly, hey, Everly's scoring now, so we don't want to get rid of him. I mean, we have so many guys who are older who make so much money on long term. They're just not. A, we're just not an attractive trade partner for anyone. I mean, those are just facts. I mean, you got to you got to trade one of your best young defensemen for two second round draft picks, and you kept with Nick Letty. We've we've talked about it before, Grumpy. I don't want to keep beating the dead horse, uh, Grumpy old man. Yeah, no, I know you like doing that, Grumpy. You do it with all your points sometimes here, Grump. Uh, comment here from Frank saying, did Bello sleep with Lou's wife or something, and that's why he won't play him? I'll tell you. It shocked me, again, that Komarov is playing over Bellows. If he slept with Lou's wife, he deserves a medal. 
because she's got to be close to 82. And I mean, it reminds me of those old commercials where they used to have some young stud massaging some old bag's feet. I even forget what the product was, but I'm like, and he's like, oh, I'm getting there good, honey. Oh, yeah. That's probably what it is. I don't understand what he did, honestly, to just be relegated to the bench. I, I don't know what they expect. And you give Michael Del Cole shot after shot after shot. I, I just, I'm just baffled. Oh, you play Leo Komarov. Or you play Ross Johnston on the third line. Ross Johnston, should be, he's a fourth-line player. That's what he is. He shouldn't be on the third line. Why not put him in for Matt Martin? Why not put Zarnak in for Matt Martin? I mean, why not give the, the fourth line a rest? Grumpy, I'll tell you again, like it, it will be interesting because once we go ahead and get Anthony Bivillier back, just like as Scott says, no Leo hopefully in, in the uh, the lineup anymore. I'll tell you this much. Not only should there be no Leo in the lineup, I, there should be no Michael Del Cole in the lineup also. And again, I know he's been playing okay uh, for the little bit in the time, and it's like the time period since Bavillier has been out. But man, oh man, I've seen the Michael Del Cole song and dance long enough. I don't need to see Michael Del Cole out there on the ice anymore. We know exactly what we have in him. And I'm going to argue this, right? When Bellos was playing the role as a third line grinder, I'm using air quotes here, he did exactly what you wanted. He threw the puck, he threw the body, he was, you know, heavy four checking. He got back on defense. He did his job in the limited minutes and the opportunities he was given, Grumpy Old Man. Here's my thing. That's not the style that he plays. He's a guy who's more of a mold into a top six power forward. And he, again, like showing that he's willing to go do a little bit of everything as a young player. I don't know. He has more offensive acumen than Michael Del Cole. I, my opinion should be given more of an opportunity than Michael Del Cole's given. Yeah, I think they want to take the offense out of the offensive players. And when, when Bavillier comes back, here's what I'm afraid is going to happen. Wallstrom goes down because he loves Leo Komarov. For whatever reason, they love to play him. He doesn't deserve any minutes, but he's going to get shot after shot. Well, you know what? You know, he's been good for a lot of years. Well, you know what? Gretzky was good 20 years ago, too. You don't see him strapping on the skates every night because he can't do it anymore. Here's my, I also want to make a point, Grumpy, speaking about it. Uh, Timisoff, and who was the other Islander that was sent down there to Bridgeport? I can't remember off the top of my head. Koivla. Otto Koivla. That's another guy too, right? 23, I think he's 22, 23 years old. Should be making his chance there. He played a little bit last season. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, now he's buried because we have so much depth as bottom six guys. When is he ever going to get a chance or an opportunity to crack into the NHL lineup? You never know what he has out there because, again, he's steadfast in keeping the same exact guys and rolling these same exact lines. And the thing is, with those younger players, unless they're getting elite, unless they have elite offensive opportunity, there's no way in hell they're going to get a chance there to actually crack the lineup. And again, Otto Koiva looks like another guy who's just going to be a, uh, he's going to be knocked down by the war of a, uh, of a, an overloaded bottom six the Islanders have. Right. I've talked about that for years now. We only see anybody we pick up, bottom six players. Why do you need so many bottom six players? You need high-end players is what you need. Otto Koivula, the biggest problem with him is he's not 29, 30 years old. That's why they won't play him. He's young. They refuse to play the young guys. Don't want to do it. They're, they feel like they break out in hives. If they One defensive mistake, bench. Leo Komarov, five-minute penalty, gives up the tying, give up the game-winning goal, roll him back out there the next night, move him on to the second line. Go ahead, Leo. You're our man. 
I was about to say, I was about to say, Grumpy, it's not only just rolling back out there, it's also promote him from the fourth line to the second line that game after. Think about it. Bailey. Bailey. Useless Bailey, three points all year, gets elevated to the first line. He's infected his poison of failure has infected the first line now. They've done nothing since he's been on that line. Nothing. Right? Took Everly. Everly goes down the second line. He takes off even though he's shackled with Croc and Del Cole, two non-talents. Then the, the third line, the third line, you get one game with Wallstrom and Bellows with uh, with the greatest number 44 in sports history since Reggie Jackson, J.G. Pajot, and they perform admirably, score a goal even. Next game, nope, none of that. They look too good. We're going to hurt getting those old guys out there. Let's roll out Uncle Leo. The fact that your name is Uncle Leo tells me you're too damn old to play this sport. I'll tell you this much, Grumpy. That's right. People forget. Bellows, Pajot, and Wallstrom played one game together and looked good. And the thing is, he said, nope, we're scrapping that. Don't even worry about throwing it back out there. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, for a team that's an offensively inept, even though we scored a few goals against the Penguins and we beat, I guess, the Rangers 2-0 again, it's not like a, it's a great offensive performance. We need, still need to find ways to generate offense, and we've been struggling doing so. And I think Will brings up a good point here, saying Nelstrom has got to get it going here. This team won't go deep in the playoffs otherwise. I'll, I'll make an argument that this team, if if Brock Nelson continues to struggle the way he has, I, it's going to be tough for this team to make the playoffs. You can't have your second-line center, who's played so well and admirably over the last two seasons, take a huge step back. And again, like I know we're only 11 games into the season, and people bring up this point always. So I try to respect the opposing uh, viewpoint, grumpy old man. But right, we didn't have any. We didn't have any spring training. We didn't have any type of like uh, preseason games, etc. So this is maybe the reason why we're seeing a lot of these sluggish starts from some of these vets. And just the same, they make the same exact argument there for Josh Bailey. I'll tell you this much. You know what? Eleven games. That's all the way through what have been like a normal preseason training camp. Uh, and I'll also tell you this, those vets don't play every single game in those preseason training camps. They only play a handful of them, and they give a lot of the younger players usually those chances and opportunities. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing, we need to see Brock Nelson step up in a big way. And the same thing with Josh Bailey if we want to continue. This is an important 10-game stretch. They need to step up. Okay. Tom Brady came from a team where he'd been for 20 years, 43 years old, way older than Brock Nelson, Comes into a losing organization, has never won anything. Worst franchise in the major four sports in their history. Lowest winning percentage. He leads him to a Super Bowl in one year. Brock Nelson's been in this system for how many years? And he's everybody was in the same boat, is my point. No one had preseason. It's not like Brock Nelson was injured and had to sit out. No one had preseason. He is, this is what he looked like before Barry Trotz got there. Invisible for the most time. But he'd get his 20 goals every year. He'd get, you know, okay, we're down six to one. Hey, I just scored two goals within the last five minutes of the third period. Those are Brock Nelson specials. I mean, we haven't even seen that from him this year. Here's an interesting point also brought up by Will afterwards, Grumpy. Can we or should we elevate Pajot and demote Brock Nelson if this keeps up? I'm not opposed to that thought process at all. I think Jean-Gabriel Pajot, again, we see what Jean-Gabriel Pajot can do with those extended time periods, those extended minutes. 
And if Brock Nelson continues not to find his groove, there has to be some sort of accountability at some point or the other. We've talked about it before. Accountability has to be across the board unilateral. It can't be like there's certain sacred cows that, and fat cats that never get held accountable for lack of performance in production, whether it's on the offensive or the defensive side of the puck. There has to be accountability eventually. This is the same problem that Trotz had in Washington. Is He holds certain players to different standards. And you see it here. Nelson can do no wrong. Bailey can do no wrong. Lee can do no wrong. But let it be one of those young guys, you're going to get punished. Matt Barzell, right? He takes a penalty that leads to a game. Nobody wants to say it was the crappy pass by Lee, which caused the whole thing. No, it's Matt Barzell, right? And the, you, the, the, the talking heads on the Islander broadcast, Matt Barzell needs to be doing this better. Matt Barzell needs to be doing that better. Well, here's the thing. When Matt Barzell doesn't score, we lose. That much I do know. When you have to rely on your fourth team to get or your fourth line to score goals, you're a team that sucks offensively. And that's where we are this year. I don't want to hear anymore on how, oh, well, Brock Nelson, you know, he needs to pick his game up. Sit him. You don't know. You want to know how you get a guy to play better? You sit his ass on the bench for a couple of games. Let him watch. Then let's see how hard he tries out there. Let's sit Josh Bailey. Three points in 10 games. That's impressive for a second-line player. 11 games, Grumpy, not 10. What's the difference? It's, 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 as soon as we have 15 games, it's still going to be three points. And here's the thing. He had one was a lucky assist. He did have that nice deflection goal. Other than that, he's done nothing the whole year. And Brock Nelson hasn't done much either. If he hasn't scored on the power play, he hasn't scored at all. That second line still hasn't scored a regulation point because I don't consider Jordan Everly on the second line. He's the first line on his team. Okay, well, I was about to say, Grumpy, well, they've only had so many games when Anthony Bivoli was healthy there and they were playing there as a full, complete second line. So let's not cherry-pick that point. Uh, also have a comment here from Brian saying, how much you want to bet the identity line starts the game tomorrow night? 100%. Absolutely. Hey, everything's everything's perfect in this world. We're rolling out 30-year-old Casey Sezekis, 34-year-old Kyle Clutterbuck, 32-year-old $6 million man. Let's just roll with them every night. It works. I have to ask you a question, Grumpy. Do you remember back during the days of Jack Capuano where any time the Islanders gave up a goal, the identity line of the fourth line was always thrown back out there? And I always thought, I'm like, what a stupid, moronic thought process. I know at that time period the fourth line was the best fourth line in all of hockey. I get it. They were the energy line. But I'm like, to have the unbending the unbending approach of any time we surrender a goal or score a goal, the fourth line has to be inserted back into the lineup. I just, man, oh man, you want to talk about a, like, uh, I would say like uh, an unbending thought process. I'm like, man, oh man, you're not even allowing yourself the ability to make like an adjustment to throw a different line out there, depending on what line the other team puts out there. My, oh my. It was any time a goal was scored, period. The yeah. fourth game out there. Not just if they, not just if we scored. Even if we gave up a goal, they were out there. And I'm going to say again, the identity line. They are the identity of this team. Over the hill, overpaid, non-producers. That is our identity right now. I mean, they are the identity line for the New York Islanders. I agree with that. <laughs> Crappy old man. Uh, I, I'll tell you. And again, it's all it's all contingent on a few guys getting started. I, I've said it. I think Lee's having a better year this year than last year. I think. 
Matt Barzal is having a better year this year than last year. I think Jordan Eberle is hot, and he's playing extremely well. There's just a few members of the top six that aren't performing. And when Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey aren't performing, and Anthony Bavillier before he went out, he wasn't really performing either. And now you have Michael Del Cole. That's essentially half of your top six that's not performing the way you have wanted to or expected them to perform this year. That is a serious hindrance to your team's success. Okay. Michael Del Cole is a second-line player. Think I just look at just think about it when you just say these things. Sometimes you just have to say it and then understand it. Josh Bailey is a first line player on this team. Uncle Leo plays, period. Michael Del Cole, second line player. Think about think about that. Let that soak in. And you asked me about Patrick Line. You know, how would he fit? How do those guys fit on any NHL roster? That's my problem. They're good guys. Well, you know what? They get paid a lot of money to be unproductive. You're there to, to do something. Michael Del Cole, I mean, for the first number of games he played, he had a zero on a stat sheet. Josh Bailey's the king of the zero stat sheet. No hits, no shots, no, no, no penalty minutes, no nothing. I mean, they are what they are. I mean, I don't even I'm not even angry at them. I'm more angry at the coach because and the general manager, because at some point in time, you have to realize these guys can only give you what they have. It's just not a whole lot. Expecting people to produce, when you expect people to produce above their capabilities when they hit their 30s, you're a fool as a general manager and a coach. Players are not like wine. They don't get better with time. I mean, I know I've said it before, and it never changes. They age like vinegar. Unless you're Tom Brady. <laughs> Grumpy old man. I will interject here. Scott saying, put Dobson and Wallstrom on the same power play unit because they are not afraid to shoot the puck and get it towards the net, and they'll get some scoring chances from it. I, I, I mean, I love Scott's little logo there, and he's 100% right. Why not? It's not like we're producing anything on the power play. You want to keep on rolling Letty and Bailey out there. They won't pass the puck. They, they won't shoot the puck. Easy to defend. Dobson puts the puck on net, and here's the thing. Wallstrom's unconscious with his shot. At least, and he puts it on net. That's what I'm saying. I, I've said it all year, I believe. I said I wanted Wallstrom on the first power play unit in the trigger spot instead of Pulak. Pulak doesn't hit the puck in net enough. It doesn't hit the net enough. So that's the guy. I mean, and I like Ryan Pulak, but at some point in time, you need to take the summer and just shoot pucks. That's it. Just shoot pucks. All the, Stand in that spot and shoot pucks. That's what you need. In, in the same exact thing, we talk about accountability, right? Again, like your job of being on the power play is to create goals and scoring opportunities. And if you're sitting there in a trigger a trigger man spot, and again, I will say, you know, Arthur Staple, he did bring up, yeah, you know, he's getting used to it. You know, uh, Pulak's starting to feel more comfortable in the spot. It's a new position. It's a new spot on the power play for him. I will tell you one thing. As we kind of start to get a little bit more towards the middle of the season and towards the end of the season – I mean, I'm sorry. We just can't have you missing the net from that close. And I get it. You have a howitzer of a slap shot, but you got to get the puck on net. I feel like there's nothing that drives, there's nothing that should drive a coach more crazy than if you have a chance and an opportunity and you don't even get the puck on net. There's no opportunity for a rebound and you just completely <laughs> derail possible momentum there of that power play. And possibly the puck, you know, goes careening out of the actual offensive zone. Again, you have to put the puck on net. I wonder what they're teaching on the power play because 
And here's one thing that I've noticed in the last couple of games when you have Dobson out there with Barzal, they played the patty cake game too, back and forth, back and forth. You're easy to defend like that. Let Dobson do what he does best. Put the puck. He's uncanny putting the puck on net from the point on the power play with that little wrist shot. I mean, you know, and Barzal, I mean, he is what he is. He's a passer first, right? I know they want him to shoot more, but I just, I don't want to see the Letty Bailey infect Dobson and Barzal. And I feel like he's doing that. And it makes you wonder, is that what the coaches, is that what Hiller's telling them? Hey, let's, let's work those passes back and forth. Maybe we'll put the other team to sleep. So somebody can sneak in the back door because that's the only thing I can see. It puts me to sleep. I'm like, oh, geez, the power play still on? Uh, hold on. Uh, hold on. Wake me up. Because they don't do anything out there. It's just frustrating. And I don't care how comfortable Pulak is. He's got no points on the power play this year. And he doesn't put a puck on net. Put somebody else in there. Wallstrom will shoot the puck. He doesn't care where he is on the ice. He's shooting that puck. You need a shoot first mentality on power play. Shoot the puck. Shoot the puck, shoot the puck, shoot the puck. Can't score if you don't shoot the puck. And also put the puck. Well, I, I will tell Nick Letty has scored a few goals on the power play, but he's put the puck on that better this year than in years past, I will say, on the power play. I, I said Kulak. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said Nick Letty. Uh, grumpy old man. Sorry, my mind was jumping uh, to a next point. Uh, grumpy old man. I will tell you, yeah, we need to see better. And this is what I'm talking about with accountability. When is it to the point where you're thinking to yourself, okay, Ryan Pulak, we've had you in this position. You haven't necessarily fulfilled what we had expected or what we thought you'd grow into. Time to maybe try other options. Yeah, I mean. Well, I'm asking, what, what's the time frame for you, Grumpy? And again, like I think 20 games in is. No, it's over now. Okay, here's the thing. you, The young guys, one game, and the coach says they did really well today, and they never play again. Because we want to jam those old guys back in. That's the prop. That's their main problem. They're over reliance on the washed up veterans. Play the younger guys. How do you expect the young guys to become good veterans for your team? You got to play them. Don't sit them on the bench. Don't send them on the taxi squad. Don't play them eight nine minutes a game. Give them a regular shift. You keep on rolling out that ancient identity line. Every night they get their minutes. Every single night. Brock Nelson. Gets his minutes. Josh Bailey, who actually was benched for portions of the Pittsburgh game, uh, and deservedly so. He's, he's been brutal, brutal this year. That, that's what that's what I'm saying, Grumpy. And I think we're starting to see it. And I'm wondering how quickly it's going to be able to see that more of just like, hey, a few shifts you miss as to, all right, maybe you'll miss a period. Or maybe, you know what, you're going to sit out for a game. You're going to be a healthy scratch for the day. And that's what I'm kind of wondering, Grumpy, when we're going to start seeing that. I think we're starting to see the movement already there and the ideas there of Barry Trotz where, hey, you're getting benched. And, again, I will tell you one thing. We give Barry Trotz a lot of slack. We do. We give him a lot of we give him a lot of criticism where we think it's right. I will tell you one thing. I think he's done a much better job this year than he has in prior years with the Islanders with actually doling out uh, doling out uh, benchings. I guess you could say two players across the board. If you would have told me last year that he would have ever benched Josh Bailey for a portion throughout the game or Nick Letty or Casey Sezikis all in one season in an eleven game time frame, I would have called you crazy. I think he's done a much better job of benching players when they're not actually doing their job. And it's not so much of just a seniority sits up there on the golden pedestal. I think he still does it a little bit, as I mentioned earlier, but I think he's done a better job. 
here's the thing, and you're going to call me crazy, and you're not going to believe that I'm sticking up for Josh Bailey and Nick Letty and Casey Zekas. Do you ever think, since they're all over 30, that perhaps they're not able to play that style consistently every night because they're just older players now? I mean, yes, they've been benched, and deservedly so. But when you put them back in, has their game really increased how they're playing? No, because they are what they are at this stage of their career. They're not getting better. They're going to get worse. Every single game, they're going to get worse and worse because their careers are winding down. And to expect those guys to play the same style like they did when they were three years younger is just foolish. They're all in their 30s now. They're not getting any better. I mean, those are the things that just – it's like Barry Trotz. You should have been ingrained and put the younger players in there for a transition. You refuse to do it. You still refuse to do it for the most part. You want to ride the old guys. Now, it's not like Washington where you had Ovechkin and Backstrom and Orlov and Carlson, all those guys. off To bail you out where you could sit a Verana or a, um, a Burkowski and put them in your doghouse and never play them. You don't have that talent on the Islanders. And I think sometimes people forget that. I want to chime in. You said that Brian Pulak had no power play points. I just want to tell you, grumpy old man, he does have one power play assist so far this year. Okay. So, I, again, just saying that we're fair and honest here, grumpy. Uh, Brian also chimes in saying, it's amazing. We're an old cap team with zero cups or appearances. When you look at the Caps, the Penguins, Chicago, they're old, but they all won at one point or another. You know, I remember when – the new ownership group took over and they brought in Lamarillo and Trotz and they felt they had to go that way because they were going to get the Islanders in the playoffs and they feel that the uh, fan base needed that. Where my thought was, and here's the thing, I still think Lou Lamarillo is a good GM. I just don't like the direction that they're gone right now. But I would have been all for a full rebuild at that point in time because I trusted those guys to do a rebuild. Instead, we keep the same – basically, for the most part, it's the same team that we've had since they came into the team three years ago. Pretty much the same team, all the same players, right? Think about how many guys are different. Pajot. Well, we've got – hold on. We've got Varlamov, who's different. We've got Andy Green, who's different. We have Noah Dobson, who's different. We've got on the third line, we've got John gabriel Pajot. We've got Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, so you've made five moves in three years. Five moves in three years. And here's the thing. Dobson, you had to play because he was just too good. Matt Martin. We also brought in Matt Martin. He was technically he was another addition there to the team. If I'm thinking about regular everyday starters right now, Matt Martin on the fourth line, Jean Gabriel Pajot there on the third line, grumpy old man. I know we I guess Leo Komarov technically was an addition. I mean, he again, like when all is healthy, he really doesn't play. So again, like I'm trying to take that into account also. But you know, six relatively six moves, six different moves. And I think it speaks to a few different things. It speaks to the system that Barry Trotz has. And again, we give Barry Trotz a lot of a lot of a lot of shtick, but he does a lot of things well, and he's a great coach, an excellent coach. Uh, there's no way in hell we ever would have been able to turn things around the way we did with a Doug Wade or a Jack Capuana, like we did with Barry, with Barry Trotz. And you know, just looking at this, you see the Caps, the Pens, in Chicago. Yes, they all won cups, but here's the thing: they did it when their players were young. 
not old. Okay. And look at Chicago, right? They kept Taves, Kane, Keith. Everybody else is gone. All young guys coming in. Well, they kept they kept Corey Crawford for a long time until just recently. And again, like they kept they kept certain guys and certain pieces for as long as they could. Yeah, but the whole thing is they've basically turned over their roster. They said, you know what? The the glory, the salad days are over for us. Let's go on a full rebuild. The Rangers did it, right? They're not there yet. But you could honestly say the Rangers have a brighter future than we have. Pittsburgh, they're hanging on to the old guys, right? How is it working out for them? I mean, I'm not saying you should get rid of Crosby or Malkin, but Malkin's been non-existent this year. And somehow we held Crosby off the scoreboard on Saturday. Um, I was, I was oh, I'm, sorry did, I'm sorry we didn't. He had, he had the assist when he hustled to the puck and Clutterbuck didn't, so he didn't have an assist. He. I will tell you one thing. He owns the Islanders, and that over the next 10 games when we play the Pittsburgh Penguins five times is going to be a huge story to watch. He usually always has unbelievable offensive production against the Islanders. Trying to keep Sidney Crosby as quiet as possible is going to, again, be a huge task for the Islanders. He averages only almost two points a game against us throughout his career. And I just want to say, one, you know, we haven't talked – Varlamov's been real good. He's been really good. Uh, you know, is Sorokin going to get a shot? I don't know. I mean, I'm certain he probably won't play tomorrow. Are you going to play him against Boston? No. Like, when is he going to play? You're going to have to play the kid. Who are you going to play him against? It's another thing where we just don't want to play the young guys. And I'm not saying he's been great. But if he doesn't play, he's not going to get any better. And you have to resign him. Another thing about uh, – that's these are all valid points, Grumpy. Another thing about that, when you're a guy who's trying to build up his confidence, and I think Sorokin has taken steps into building up his confidence definitely since the first game, you need to be out there on the ice. And, again, you, ideally you didn't want to play him against, you know, the tougher teams on the schedule. You wanted to try to get his feet wet there against, you know, quote, unquote, I'm going to use quotes here, the lesser teams, Grumpy old man. You have to assume he'll get some time here against the Sabres. It's pretty obvious that Simone Varlamov will be starting every game here on forward or should start every game here on out against the Rangers. I mean, he's played the Rangers twice this year. He shut them out both times he's played them. So I think it's pretty safe to say Varlamov should definitely be the goal-to goalie anytime we play the Rangers in the future. Yeah, and I mean you can't argue with success, but you have if you're not going to play Sorokin, why is he up? Why not put him in the A? You can learn the the the, the angles of the smaller rink surface in the A, and you can play every game there. I know it's only 24. Then bring him back up. I mean, if Varlamov is going to play five out of six games, how much is that going to help the kid develop? I mean, I. You realize you go into the expansion draft. You want to know how good Sorokin is. I want. I want to bring up a point here, Grumpy. We've said this before in the past, and and again, last two years, Barry Trotz has always done this. He rides the hot goal. He rides the hot hand, and and this is this is a thing that we haven't seen so yet before yet from a Sorokin. If you know Varlamov takes you know one of those time periods where he kind of has you know a rough night, we haven't seen Sorokin step up and say, all right, he responds with an unbelievable game and performance where, you know, he only lets one goal in, stands on top of his head, and, you know, wins the game essentially for the Islanders. If we look at the relationship that Grice 
had with uh, Varlamov and even two years ago with that Grice had with Leonard. Anytime one goalie had a poor performance, that other goalie was relied upon the game after. They usually played well, and then they get themselves a string of starts in a row, like five or six starts in a row. And that's ideally what you want to see happen sooner or later there with Sorokin. I think it still can. It's early yet. But Varlamov, I think to your point, you're right, Grumpy. He has been outstanding so far this season, and we've needed it. And again, I, I think to myself, where would the team be without – Varlamov, where would the team be without Matt Barzal? And I think to myself, man, oh, man. <laughs> without Varlamov standing on his head and performing the way he has, and without Matt Barzal performing the way he has, we'd be in real trouble so far this season. You see Bavillier, one of our second – we lose one second-line player, one player of our top six, and we spiral. I mean, think about that. It's because we don't have we don't have a whole lot of offensive depth. Can't afford to lose guys. And if we were without Matt Barzal, season over. Season's over. I do agree. If we were to lose map bars all season, it would be 100% over. Grumpy, I do want to say this. It also tells you about the depth or the unwillingness to play the young guys. You lose a guy who's a top six forward, and what do you do? Your best option, and we've siphoned a few different options here. We had, I think, Tim, was it Sarnak or Timisov? I can't remember. We had either Sarnak or I think it was Timisov up there on the uh, on the Jarnak. first. Sarnak. Okay, Sarnak there on the second line. We have. Leo Komarov, who's rolled out there on the second line. Michael Del Cole rolled out there on the second line. Kiefer Bellos rolled out there on the second line. All in this time span of about five or six games that Anthony Bavillier has been out. I think maybe maybe it's more. Um, but, I mean, it's been a short time period. It's not like it's been an extended time period. That's four different people you've tried to roll out there on the second line. I'll tell you one thing. It shows that you really don't have any faith in somebody else who could step up in case one of those top six guys go out. And we have been extremely fortunate to have our top six been healthy the last two years. And again, that's not always a promising guarantee. But the whole thing is we never give anyone a chance. If you don't give somebody a chance, an extended run at the position, how do you know what they can really do? That's what's so frustrating about Bellows and Wallstrom with Pajot. You gave them one game. Why not give them a five- or six-game run to see what they can do to get the chemistry down? Why not give that a shot? Nope. They just refuse. He has certain guys he wants to play. He trusts the old guys. Well, you know what? You're not going to win a Stanley Cup like that. I can guarantee you that. Hopefully, we can make the playoffs. I mean, and here's the thing. We'll get obliterated in the first round. There's no way we're going to beat Boston or Washington, honestly. Washington is a totally different team with Laviolette as coach. Absolutely, totally different team. And I think part of the reason that we beat them is that last year was that Reardon pretty much just had the same, everything was the same uh, system that that Trotz had previously, which is why we were able to beat them. Because we've been thoroughly outmatched against Washington this year. And again, take it with a grain of salt. We only played two games, given it was without four of their four of their better players. I mean, four players that are legitimate performers there, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Orlov, Sansomov. So again, four really big pieces for the Capitals. And again, it's only been two games. So I will say we have a comment here and Grumpy. I'm not even going to tr- try to pronounce this Twitter handle. Uh, Color Benkowski 2, uh, maybe, is what that says. He says, it hurts that we drafted Wallstrom over Fairby. I'll tell you this much. Sure, it looks like that. I will tell you that to play devil's advocate, even if we drafted Joel Farabee over Oliver Wallstrom, I still think the Islanders would not have taken the approach that Farabee needs to be integrated into the offense. I mean, Farabee with the Flyers has been given reign. He says, here you go, Joel Farabee, go out there and play. Again, he's playing a lot more minutes than Oliver Wallstrom is, and I would argue that even if Farabee was on the Islanders, we still would be treating him with kid gloves. 
hundred percent. Farabee would need Farabee would not be in the lineup for us. Just I wouldn't me. say that. I wouldn't say that much. Uh, I'm going to tell you, he he'd be a third liner. That's where he'd be getting sheltered minutes because they dream up some scenario. Who knows? Here's the thing: the greatest thing against Farabee, just like Wallstrom, is he's not in his thirties. That's, well, that's punishment. And again, just for context, Fairby has played 13 games so far this year. Average ice time, uh, 14 minutes in 19 seconds, six goals, six assists. He's got 12 points in 13 games. Again, they play a completely different style, but he is off to a hot start with the Flyers. Which team has a better record this year? The Flyers. Which team scores more goals? Well, the Flyers. There you go. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Faraby and I like Faraby. He went later in the first round that year. Um, he was actually only a couple picks after Oliver Wallstrom. He wasn't as late as you think, grumpy old man. I thought he, I thought he was like twenty or something like that. It, his thing, it doesn't matter. Uh, they liked Wallstrom. I don't know. I'm just not a fan of most guys who come from the United States Development League. I just think they take longer to develop. Uh, Faraby, Faraby was fourteenth. So again, he was little, he was literally just a few picks after Oliver Wallstrom. I mean, he was very highly regarded, absolutely, and he's a pure sniper. But you know what? He's allowed to make a mistake, and he does make mistakes out there. He made mistakes in the game against us. But when you get a hat trick, you kind of overlook that. Okay, all right, we gave him a couple of odd man rushes. Okay, but you know what? He scored a hat trick, and he single handedly beat us. So I mean, you know, sometimes there's a trade off. And Oliver Wallstrom is not chopped liver. I'll say this as much. I think he would – I can only imagine the offensive production he'd have if he was playing on a top six role and getting legitimate minutes with, with line mates again because he plays in a sheltered role with minutes there. I think Jean-Gabriel Peugeot is helpful, but, I mean, his left wing and his other partner has been uh, in flux at best, uh, grumpy old man. Here's what I worry about. When you ask these young guys whose main skill is scoring – to subjugate their game, to play defense all the time where defense is more important than offense, I'm afraid that you take away – like they could lose their natural ability to score because they're so busy worried about playing defense. I think you see it from Matt Barzal sometime. I mean, he made the jump this year, but he's a goal – he's a he's a creator. Wallstrom is a goal scorer. Put him in the best chance to succeed. I'm not saying he shouldn't play any defense – but what I'm saying is if his biggest thing is shooting the puck and scoring goals, put him in the position to utilize the greatest talent that he has. And I just don't feel like Trotz does that with some of these guys. He's happy with the Josh Bailey's, the Leo Komarov's, you know, the grinder types, no stars. I mean, you know, he's happy with that because there's more expectation. They're all going to be sound defensively. You know, we can manage the game. At some point you have to score goals. And that's where we struggle. That's always been the biggest struggling point here. Tommy Baffy. Hey, Tommy, uh, saying Otto might get the fourth line center position next season. Well, here's my question, right? We've talked about this, and it's going to be a big talking point this offseason. Will the Islanders bring back Casey Zizekas? 
Because I, if the Islanders bring if the Islanders bring back Casey Zizekas, which I think they will, maybe it's going to be on a short term, maybe a one year, two year deal. I think they want to bring back Casey Zizekas in an ideal scenario, and they'll probably give him more cap than he deserves, and also more term than he deserves. But I think they will bring back Casey Zizekas. It leaves no open opportunity for Otto Cuevla ever to touch the NHL surface because our centers are completely lined. And again, Otto Cuevla made a much better jump after he transitioned from the wing spot that he was when he originally played for Bridgeport to the center role. He really excelled. Yeah, but think about it. You said get signed Casey Zekas for one year. Do you really think that's what they'll do? They just signed a washed-up, finished 32-year-old left wing for four years at one-and-a-half pill, one-and-a-half per, the $6 million man at 32, and he's finished. He's finished, and he got four years. You signed Leo Komarov to four years. You signed Anders Lee to seven years. These guys don't produce. It's just it would be a mistake to bring Casey. And I like Casey Zizekas, but he's hurt all the time. He had one year where he had the 20 goals. Other than that, he scores, what, eight, nine goals a year? I don't care that he plays on the fourth line. He makes too much money. Give a young guy a chance. It's better to be proactive as opposed to keeping a guy who, you know, has played and done a valiant job and effort for your organization. It's better to be proactive saying, you know what, if he wants three years and we feel like we would lose him if we don't get three years, so now we feel pressured into keeping him three years, you're going to be getting diminishing returns over those three years, and he's probably going to want some <laughs> some cap attached to it because there's going to be some team that wants to have the defensive structure that Casey Zizekas brings. Casey's a guy who's always injury prone. And I feel like, again, if we were to sign into anything more than a one-year contract, yikes, not, not necessary. We're cash strapped. We're up against the cap. Why would you resign a 30-year-old veteran's fourth-line center who makes three over $3.5 million a year? Why would you resign someone like that when you need cap money for guys like Pavillier and Pellick and Sorokin? Why would you sign him? Why would you sign Matt Martin back? You just bid against yourself. Was there? A, I'll say it again. Was there a run on thirty-two-year-old washed-up former fighters who play on the fourth line? No. And mind you, Grumpy, with the Matt Martin situation, he only wanted to. Play, he still wanted to stay in New York. He didn't want to move from New York. So really, he only had a handful. He had two or three options. I mean, maybe you could say New Jersey, but I mean, he was really looking between the Rangers and the Islanders. And they were always saying, "Oh, I'd hate to see him on the Islanders." You know, again, like that's the fan in you. But the same token, I can give I can give a crap whether he's on the Rangers or not. Um, I'm sorry, I meant to say they really didn't want to see him on the Rangers. Um, but yeah, Grumpy, that that was always the argument there made for keeping Matt Martin. Honestly, for me, he'd be better for our team if he played the Rangers eight times a year, played with the Rangers for eight games. That's a benefit for us. That's a plus because he can't play anymore. I mean, he is what he is. And like I said, Matt Martin, fan favorite, love him. Father time gets to everybody unless your name is Tom Brady. Trumpy old man. Uh, we've got here another comment. For, looking forward to see how we play tomorrow against uh, after the Rangers game. I'll tell you, this is going to be an important game. Again, we play the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow, grumpy old man. And then we play on Saturday, the Boston Bruins. And that is going to be a live stream post game Saturday after the Boston Bruins game, grumpy. Yeah. I, from an, an, not from a fan perspective, because I find it's boring when we're winning Islander, Islander hockey, as they call it. Um, but we did play Islander hockey against the Rangers. 
and it resulted in two nothing victory. So that's a positive for us. Like I said, we beat Pittsburgh, but that was a helter skelter game at the end. Uh, and I know Lou doesn't like to play. Um, I'm sorry. I know Barry does not like to play that style of game. So I felt like they got back to it against the Rangers. I'll be interested to see how we play against Pittsburgh. Uh, once again, Pittsburgh are big for us. If we can win without going to overtime, it's a, it's like it's a four-point game. Every game's a four-point game, but particularly against the teams that you're going to be competing against for that fourth playoff spot. And honestly, we're better than Philadelphia too. Even though we lost them twice in overtime, that's a team that I think we match up well against. But they beat everybody else, so that's going to be a problem for us. I'll tell you, we do match up very well against Philadelphia, and I think that's a, that's a I like our games in the future against Philadelphia. I think we are uh, kryptonite to the Philadelphia Flyers. I really do the style that we play. Unless the game goes to overtime, and then you know they just do they just do kryptonite on top of us or Superman, and we just that's it. We're done. <laughs> uh, Tommy also chiming in. I'm sorry, Grumpy. I'm catching up on a whole bunch of comments here. Uh, Tommy saying, I like Wallstrom uh, go to the net mentality, needs more power skating lessons to fill out more and have a true power, you know, a power, a power forward, Grumpy. His skating has really improved in the last two years. Really improved. I remember watching him in the World Juniors two years ago. I'm like, ugh, I, he, needs to, he needs to work on his skating. He was a little bit of a floater. And I didn't think he had the acceleration. He's much better skating-wise. Can he get better? Certainly. But I don't think his skating is out of place. Certainly not on this team, it's not. Uh, but, yes, I could see him uh, more power skating. But you can tell that he's been working on it. And that's all you can ask of a young player. I was about to say, and again, like I, as Anybody, much as we talk and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, TJ. Go. As much as we talked and we sing, you know, the, the the good praises there of Joel Therapy, again, I think Oliver Wallstrom still has a lot to develop, and I expect him there to be successful here. He's a bigger I, I, I expect him to be successful with the Flyers. I also expect Oliver Wallstrom to be successful, as much as we were singing the praises there of Joel Therapy. Yeah, uh, Wallstrom's a bigger, more physical player, for certain. That's his edge. Um, you know, I mean, anybody complain about skating, you see Anders Lee out there, ugh, somehow, somehow he gets paid $7 million a year. Grumpy, I'll tell you, there should be nothing to complain about so far with Andrews Lee play this year. Again, like from what we saw last year, I think we've seen a significant jump, Grumpy. Okay, whatever. Okay, Grumpy. Hey, we've got Dirk. Uh, he is he's saying good morning there from Germany. Uh, Dirk listens there to the podcast out there in Germany. I'm glad you're able to make it there for a live stream there, Dirk. Um, gotcha. And he's saying, hey there, happy to see you there, Grumpy old man. Um, here we go. Also, Brian chiming in saying the Penguins have five regular D-men out three for long term. Again, so the Islanders should hopefully be able to go ahead and take advantage of this. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you, Dirk, for listening to us from Germany. And uh, hey, anytime you need any questions answered by the grumpy old man, hit me up. <laughs> as far as the defenseman for Pittsburgh, that's good news for us, right? Uh, I know Latang has been banged up. But, you know, that's what happens, right? Latang's in his 30s now. Uh, he gets injured more and more every year, and that's what happens to older players. Uh, Malcolm, hasn't, Malcolm hasn't been the same. Crosby was fantastic in the third period, but I thought we held him in check the first two, which surprised me. But, you know, with older players, you get diminishing returns, and hopefully that's what happens with Pittsburgh. 
I was about to say, we've talked about it before, and, you know, Crosby still is an unbelievable player and still performs here, grumpy old man, and so does Malcolm. But that's always a team you wonder when is when is when are things going to start, you know, uh, rapidly falling off for the Penguins. They're another team that their their window to win is so finite. They have to be all in to win every single year. Uh, Ivo Pivo, I hope I pronounced that correct, says, keep playing the youth, Barry. I'll tell you, I, I think, you know, we need to go ahead and see more of Oliver Wallstrom, and I – Love to see him there with a consistent line mate there of Kiefer Bellows. Love the name, uh, but I'm going to change his statement. I'm going to say, start playing the youth battle. Instead, <laughs> he refuses. Grumpy. Yeah, for sure. And again, I think this is Brian making a point there to us losing uh, Anthony Bavillier and then not performing. Tampa loses Kucherov, one of the best players in the world, and they still dominate and score. They're a great organization for certain. Again, like what we see here from the Tampa Bay Lightning, and again, I'm not sure how many Stanley Cups they're going to win. That is a dynasty. That is, in my opinion, that will be a dynasty. When you look back over a 10-year time period, that's going to be a team that you look at over a 10-year spurt. You say, that team was unreal. Um, they're not a dynasty yet. As I said before, here's the thing, though. They lost Kucherov, but who'd they get back? Stamkos, right? Imagine if they had both guys, and that'll be next year, okay? But here's the thing. I said it before on this podcast. They remind me of the Islanders during the glory years. They're able to play multiple styles. They were obviously the best team in the league for a couple of years when they didn't win the Cup, and they finally got over the hump with a, uh, hump with a couple of uh, identity guys that they added last year. And uh, I I think they are the best team in the league, and I think they're going to win again. I think it's going to be them. They're in – oh, no, they'll beat Boston. I keep on forgetting. I keep on forgetting who's where still. Uh, but the good thing is we don't have – we wouldn't have to play them until we'd lose to them in the conference finals as well. <laughs> oh, grumpy old they're good. they're good. And if they continue on this, the biggest issue that they're going to have is the salary cap. That's going to mean uh, Kucherov actually being hurt, help them get under the cap this year. They put them on long-term injury. Amazing. If you put the guys on long-term injury, you could sign everybody else. Lou hasn't figured that out yet, but Tampa sure did. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. I'll tell you, again, like we're talking about that being a dynasty grumpy. What now they've made, I think it's what they made this the Eastern Conference Finals like four out of the last six years. And again, I think that team, they have a lot of young pieces on that team. They do have some older pieces but they have a lot of guys entering their prime some defensive pieces that are again like Sergachev is another guy who's going to be entering his prime he's not in his prime yet so I look at a team like and there's no way they're going to be able to keep that team together you want to talk about excellent drafting man oh man again that trade they made for Sergachev when they gave up Jonathan Drew and for Sergachev wow did that work out for him good deal uh you got Hedman on the team you got Kucherov you got Point these guys are signed long term I mean, you, you have uh, Vasilevsky, the goalie, as well. The goalie. These guys are all signed long term, uh, and they didn't lose anybody. They didn't lose anybody. Um, I won't say that they had to deal somebody, but it was it's a it's a third line guy. They kept their big guys, all their top forwards together. Kucherov having the hip injury helped them out, though that would that would have hurt them. But they're a fantastic team. They're a tremendous uh, organization, and I expect them to win for a number of years. I was about to say, if you're, and it's unfortunate, right? Because I don't think there's a lot of fans out there in Florida and Tampa who are like, woohoo, we're huge Tampa Bay Lightning fans. It's unfortunate that a team is constructed as well as they are in a market where it's, I'm sure, pretty tough to really rally a big fan base. 
I do have a question. Is Tampa the sports capital of the world now? You had the Lightning win the Stanley Cup. You had the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl, and you had the Rays get to the World Series. I mean, think about that, right? I mean, is it any better to be a Tampa Bay fan right now? Beautiful weather all year long. I was about to say, that's a good point, right? They talked about it for a long time, how Boston was the mecca of sports. When the Red Sox were on fire, the Patriots were winning left and right, the Bruins were on fire. That's a good point, Grumpy. Maybe Tampa is starting to head that way. I mean, the the Lightning have been there for a while, and it looks like that's going to continue. The Rays, despite even, you know, I guess you could say being a smaller market team, they made it to the World Series last year. Um, And, you know, you got now the Buccaneers, who won the Super Bowl just recently, Grump. What's the difference between Boston and Tampa Bay? Tom Brady. That's the difference. <laughs> I don't know. They go 12 and 4 last year. He gets them in the playoffs this year. They fall off the planet. He goes to a team that's a habitual loser, 7 9 last year. He leads them to a Super Bowl. Guy's fantastic. He's uh, the only reason. Oh, well, thank you, Grump, for the ninth time of mentioning here today. Comment here from Michael saying, good job with the podcast, guys. Good quality and good content. Thank you there, Michael. I do appreciate it. Uh, Dirk also chiming in with a question here. Here you go for you, Grumpy. Any idea why we play Leo Komarov, Grumpy old man? I want an actual answer, not something like, oh, he's got something on, on Barry Trotz, Grumpy. I want a real answer. I think because they trust Leo Komarov to play a safe game. I mean, that's the only reason. He can't play anymore. And he's living up. He, Leo Komarov used to be a really good third line player, really good, really physical, uh, would get into a scrap or two, solid defensively, penalty kill, chipping a little bit offensively. But those days are long gone. But they trust guys like that. He's a leader. They like him in the room. I mean, all those things that are important. And here's the thing I thought maybe, here's the thing he got too much term, too much money for too long a term when he signed. But I could see why they brought him in initially to help the team. They needed some veteran leadership. I could see that. But the fact that we just throw dollars and years away uh, like it's candy is just the problem with all these older guys. That's why you don't need him anymore. Why does he play? Your guess is really as good as mine. But whenever you listen to Barry Trotz, he says, you know, he's done it before, and we believe in him. He believes in him. I mean, that's why he does it. Yeah, and again, it's. I think that's – Leo's mom, Leo's mom called the podcast too, and she had the same question as Dirk. Why is why is my boy why is my little Leo still playing? He looks like he's carrying an ice box out there on his back. Why is he still playing? I can't tell you, Mama Kamarov, Mamarov. Mama Roth, grumpy old man. Just because that response there ended so well, I will not even entertain there trying to to unpack as to why Leo Komarov is still in the starting lineup. I think it's because they find him of value there in a penalty kill, and they think he serves their good help to shoring up there at the defensive side of the puck. I really feel like it's as simple as that and the fact that he's trusted. I think it's a good point, Grump. Okay. Now, here's the thing, though. We don't draw a whole lot of penalties. There's not a whole lot of penalties against us. Half our team, three-quarters of our team are good penalty killers. I mean, how about getting some power play guys on the team? Maybe that's an option for you. (laughs) Grumpy, we have a comment here from Tommy. And Grumpy, I laughed as soon as I saw this because I know what you think of this. Tommy says, we need a grumpy old man cardboard cutout. we got to put it there (laughs) at the the Coliseum, Grump. Can you believe that people spend money on that? 
I, 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 it boggles the mind. There's, they say there's a sucker. And here's the thing: anyone who listens to the podcast, there are, I can tell you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, Grumpy. I know there are people on the live stream, and there are people who listen to the podcast that do have those cutouts. So choose words carefully, Grumpy. Maybe I just won't comment. My mother always told me, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. I just, I just think it's just a way for the NHL to make more money off of you, is what I think, and I don't think it's right for them to do that. that to me, they should do it for free. I don't That's think they. They should not make you pay for it. I mean, now uh, here's the thing, Islander fans. Big news today: uh, the NHL and uh, New York, uh, the New York area, said that they would be able to put 10% of the uh, seating capacity will be able to be filled with live people. So uh, hopefully, you didn't just order a cardboard cutout and going to be there in person and let you get to sit with your cardboard cutout. But that kind of little weird. I'm not even going to comment on that. Uh, but yeah, I just I just think the NHL seriously about the cardboard cutouts. They shouldn't have made people pay for that. I just think I just think it's a bad look. I realize they're trying to make money, but these people are paying for season tickets, and it's just not right. Well, here's my thing. I think this was a perfect time to say, you know what, fans, we've put you through a lot of shit over the last 20 years. We've had multiple lockouts. We've had time periods where we didn't have hockey. We haven't done a service there to the actual fan. You know what? Now's our chance to step up and answer the bell. Anybody who's been a season ticket holder from XYZ year to now will give you the opportunity to put a free cardboard cutout into the into the actual stadium and into the arena. Man, oh, man, you want to talk about the overflowing support and the love. They say, oh, terrific. You know, the Islanders are allowing me to put a free cutout because I've been, you know, an Islander supporter here for, you know, I've been a season ticket holder for the last five years. You want to talk about good PR? That would have been great PR. And the thing is, you know, they made obviously a cheap buck, but what's what's $70 to fill the stands? I mean, like, realistically, what's that really going to do when you go ahead and say, hey, you know, you, you pay $70 to put it in there for an entire year? It really didn't make them that much money. Go ahead and give it to the give it to the fans for free. Yeah. I mean, now here's the thing. I'm going to make a diff- – I'm going to differentiate between the NFL and the NHL. The NHL doesn't make the money like, you know, the big gorilla does. And – you hear that the NFL had people could buy the cardboard cutouts for the Super Bowl for 150 bucks each, and what it does, it means that they're getting they're able to be put into the drawing to get tickets to next year's Super Bowl. And I'm like, they are even without fans, they are a billion dollar industry, and you're soaking the people for 150 bucks. I just, I don't know, it just it just feels bad. NHL's a little bit different, but I'm just not a fan of, you know, making the the, the customers pay, you know, to have their body sit out there in the seats. Yeah, and again, like you, you talk about helping unify and galvanize the group of NHL and hockey fans. Go ahead and do something like that and reward the people who have been diehard, steadfast fans of their particular teams for a number of years and have had season tickets for a number of years. Go do something like that, and that's really going to go ahead and get their support back behind the team again. I mean, hockey fans are the best. I mean, all hockey teams. But the Islander fans are the best of the I feel are the best of the best. And I've said it before. You're not an Islander fan because, you know, you have Sidney Cross, Cindy Crosby on your team or Connor McDavid or anything like that. You're an Islander fan because you've been an Islander fan your whole life. I mean, they're just – Islander fans are a different breed. They're not Ranger fans, all right? You know, not that, you know, the team with all the money. And it's, it's always – I always find it confusing how, you know, everyone looks at the Islanders as a small market team. 
15 miles from, you know, New York. How are you a small market team? That was management just trying to sell that. I mean, you had the money. I just, I don't know, just frustrating. Spend money, spend money. <laughs> Grumpy old man. We have a comment here from David saying, Grump, uh, how do you like Everly on Croc? He even used the term Crocs right wing. I see some chemistry there. I don't think Brock Nelson's improved his game at all. Actually, I think Michael Del Cole has had more chemistry with uh, Jordan Eberle. Grump, I, I gotta I, stop. You. I gotta stop you here, Grump, before your response. We're getting a flood here. Comments. The money goes to charity. So again, like it tells you how much research yeah. I've done into actually purchasing. So again, no problem at all. I guess I will recant my prior statement. I still think it would have been nice for them to give X amount of that away for free there to the fans. Again, it goes to charity. No problem at all with that. I did not know that was the case, Grumpy. And it shows you. I was no interest at all even looking into paying to have a cardboard cutout. But, yes, we have that there. Cardboard cutouts there go to charity. Okay. You know what? I have no problem with that. A good, Actually, good for the NHL for doing that. And I'm, NHL, sure it's the same, I'm sure it's the same exact thing with the NFL as well. The NFL greedy bastards. I wouldn't put anything past them, honestly. <laughs> they might say it's for charity. What's the charity? The owner's, you know, the owner's back pocket charity? I don't know. I don't trust the NFL. I mean, they're, they're, they're slime. You know, I, you know, you hear how they're into social justice. They don't care about color. They don't care about whites. They don't care about blacks. The only color the NFL cares about is green, nothing else. Whatever can make them money, therefore, they're the worst. Absolutely the worst. Yes, Grumpy. I just, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I had to cut you off, Grumpy old man, but I saw those because I was like, I, I wasn't sure if it was for charity or not, but I'm glad it was. Again, no problem at all there with anybody paying and they to have it for charity. No problem at all. I still think, though, season ticket holders should have been given a chance to have their cardboard cutout put in there for free, personally. Well, you know what? If it's for charity, no problem at all. I, honestly, that's fantastic. And for anybody who's done that, more power to you. You're a better person than I am. <laughs> I'm cheap. I'm cheap. I'm sorry. I mean, I could barely afford afford this goat shirt. Right a grumpy old man. Uh, I want to get back to the comment, Grumpy, about the chemistry between uh, Jordan Everly and Brock Nelson. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think that Nelson's game has improved much. I, I think actually, it's Del Cole um, and some individual effort from Everly. I don't. I don't think he's had much of an effect on Nelson at this point. Could it? Maybe. Hopefully. Um, but optimally, I'd like to see. Everly back on a wing with Barzal. I just I just think it's a better fit. I know they did it because he got a little bit hot, and the second line is just abominable. So they switched up Bailey, who's a loss no matter where he is, but they figure, you know what, Barzal and Lee are doing well enough. We can put a hole on the other wing and just move Everly down. And Everly's done a nice job, honestly. It's, I think it's the best start he's ever had to for an Islander team. I was about to say, and man, oh man, you talk about when he's on fire and he can pick his corners. Jordan Eberle is—it's beautiful. I mean, like he's—he's he's the closest we've had probably to a true sniper on this team in quite some time, and he really finds a way to pick those pockets at moments. Well, that's what he was like in Edmonton, especially when he comes down off the off wing. Sometimes, uh, I mean, he hit the post the other night, and I was like, oh man, what a shot! And you know, that's what I'd like to see Wallstrom do. I mean, that's the type of ability that he has. He's got the same type shot. And once again, Jordan Early is another guy who's sacrificed his own personal game to fit the defensive scheme. You remember what a struggle it was for him initially when Trotz came in. But I think he's morphed into a much better all-around player. Doesn't score as much. It doesn't seem to matter. He plays defense. But when he's a streaky scorer, when he's hot, just like Bavillier, you got to keep feeding him. And that's why he's getting double-shifted 
on uh, certain lines because he's hot right now. A grumpy old man. Tommy's saying he's going to send the grumpy old man an autographed Leo Komarov rookie card. I mean, Komarov's from Russia, right? Is it going to like be all like all the Russian? No, like, he's he's it? not from he's not from Russia, Grumpy. I think he's from Finland. You always mess this up, Grumpy, and it always gets me second guessing myself because you always say he's from Russia. I believe he's from Finland, Grumpy. Please don't let me be wrong. Uh, he is from. Give me a second here, Grumpy, as I'm pulling this. You can keep on looking it up because. You know, I will say if I did have a Leo Komarov card, I would show it on the podcast, absolutely, and give uh, anyone who sends me a Leo Komarov card credit. Uh, you probably would not even have to insure that card because it wouldn't be worth much, but I would welcome any uh, Leo Komarov or any player autograph card, actually. I, I love memorabilia. Sorry, Grumpy. He was born He was born there in Estonia, uh, born there under the USSR. So. I told you. He's probably got a <laughs> sickle tattooed on his butt. And Mamarov, you know, she took care of him well. Gave milk from the cows out there, whatever they do out there, wherever he's from. Uh, a grumpy old man. Dirk also chiming in said, oh, and one more thing. You need to be softer on Holmstrom. He will be better than Bailey. Nothing like setting the nothing like setting the bar real high for him. I'd like to hear that he's going to be better than a really good player. That's okay. what I so here it is. Okay, I think he's got – Leo Komarov has dual citizenship. He's a Finnish and a Russian. That's what I was like. I always get confused where exactly what nationality he claims, grumpy old man. Uh, but I think it's I think it's Finland now. I, I think originally he was born under USSR control, but I think it's like actually technically fit. I have no idea, grumpy. Uh, but he's got dual nationality between Finland and Russia. The Soviet Union did not take over Finland back in the Cold War days. Um, so maybe he had a, uh, maybe his father, or I'm going to say his father was probably Russian with the of last name, and maybe Mamarov is Finnish. Finnish descent, perhaps. Grumpy, um, I'm going to, I'm going to sound, I'm going to sound bad there. Yeah, but okay, I know he, I think he lives in, he lived in Finland too when he's in the offseason. I don't know. I always, I always associated there with uh, Finnish or being there in Finland. But I think again, like I'm looking at where he's actually born in Estonia. They're saying a uh, USSR. So it's probably his name is Leonid Komarov. <laughs> Stop. Brezhnev, uh, Brezhnev was the pressure president of Leonid Brezhnev. I remember him back in the seventies. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I am hard on Holmstrom, and I can only go by what I've seen. Uh, and he reminds me of Josh Bailey because he doesn't do anything, you know, stand out. So I'll try, Dirk. I will try to be softer on him, but I cannot promise that. I'm sorry. Uh, Tommy's saying all the money from the cardboard cutouts went to the New York Islanders Children's Foundation. So again, uh, so is that, is, is that the children of the players or? No, I'm, just playing. I'm just, I'm just playing. That you know, hey, I, I, I did not realize that the money uh, went to charity, and that you know, it's a fantastic cause. So anybody who bought that, good for you. Like I said, better person than me. Okay, yeah, and it does make a lot more sense. Again, like as soon as I saw a dollar amount associated with them, I was like, oh, I didn't want to do it. I did not know it was originally for charity. So now I do feel a little. <laughs> they would not put my cardboard cutout on there because my wife says, do you realize all you do is frown on that podcast? And usually I'm smiling all the time. But I do catch myself on frowning on the elder. Maybe because I just think of Josh Baylor, just, oh, I hate him so much. That's how I feel sometimes. Uh, grumpy old man. I'll tell you here. Um, David saying, Grump, what are your thoughts on the death today of legendary Larry uh, Flint? I didn't realize he died. He was the uh, owner and uh, publisher of Hustler magazine. And he, yeah, back in the day. 
Uh, I'm glad you knew what that was because I saw that. I'm like, the hell is Larry Flint? Yeah, well, see, as I'm old, I know these things. He uh, he was he produced Hustler magazine, which was like the smuttiest of the the smut magazines. I, I, know, know, I, know, what, I know what Hustler magazine is, grumpy. Okay, um, but there was a, a, a Supreme Court case about um, pornography and, you know, should he be able to, against Jer Reverend Jerry Falwell, he put him in a, some type of a parody of some type of sexual position with his wife. Jerry Falwell was an evangelist. And uh, I don't remember, I, I don't remember if he won or lost that case, honestly, but I remember it was big news back in the 70s. Uh, and then he actually survived an assassination attempt and he was paralyzed. They made a movie about him. I I don't know if it was the People versus Larry Flint, maybe it was called. I've seen the movie. I just don't remember who won the case. And Woody Harrelson played him in the movie. And uh, it was actually pretty good. And Courtney Love, uh, who was married to the deceased Kurt Cobain, played his wife, uh, Althea. Althena. Athena. I, I forget her name. Something like that. Um, but it was actually pretty good. If you get a chance to watch it, it was a good role for Woody Harrelson. And uh, Larry Flint was actually, he played the judge in the movie. So it was interesting casting. Huh. Grumpy old man, I don't know if we mentioned this. I, I don't know what made me think about it. Ron Hextall is the new general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Phil, former Philadelphia Flyer goalie. Played for the Islanders, too. Um, GM. He was a failed GM in Philadelphia. I'm sure he'll fail in Pittsburgh. I think they were totally caught off guard with Rutherford. I don't know what the personal issue was. I looked around for a few days to see if I could – if they. Uh, elaborate on it, but they didn't, and I just lost interest, honestly. So maybe something's come out, but uh, I don't think. I mean, I, I don't think they expected that. I think it was a shock for them. And Hextall, ugh, no, sorry, a grumpy old man. Uh, I got two more, two more comments. Two I'm more sorry. comments. Two more comments, grumpy old man, before we wrap things up. Uh, Robert saying, Wallstrom also has dual citizenship United States there in Sweden. Uh, Scott also saying, does Leo Komarov have citizenship at the local old folks' home? I figure that is a fun one to end it off on. That is perfect. I'll I, I tell you what. Hilarious. I love it. I wish <laughs> I would have come up with it, honestly. There's <laughs> one for Scott. Uh, there you go. Uh, Brian saying TJ is young. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I guess I show my age not knowing who Larry Flint is. Uh, grumpy old man. Oh, okay. Now, here's the thing. I wasn't alive in the 1950s, but I still know people from the 50s. Maybe you should just broaden your horizon. See, when you kids, all you little millennials and little whatever the Gen Xers, I don't even know what the heck they call you anymore. You think that, you know, the world started in 1980. It's not the case. It's actually been going for a long time. Don't be afraid. Don't look at your media feed every day. Oh, nothing happens but these little things. You know, learn about history. It's good for you. <sighs> Grumpy old man. Uh, Dirk chiming in saying, Penguins got snow now. Got a snow now. Got Gar snow. Oh, goodness. I'll tell you, um, Ron Hextall definitely failed there in, in Philly. So, and then, again, he got the quick, swift boot out of Philadelphia as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there with him and the Penguins. Uh, Dave chiming in saying, do you think the Islanders get to shoot out? Uh, Trots would use Wallstrom or Bellows. No freaking chance. First of all, they're not even going to be in the lineup. Bellows, forget it. You probably won't see him the rest of the year. Didn't he send Leo Komarov out on a shootout last year? 
I think he sent him out there on a shootout one game last year. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I remember that. Maybe it was just a bad dream. I was having a nightmare, but I could swear he sent him out there and shootout one time. I don't. I mean, who are you going to send out there and shootout if you put anybody out there? Barzal, um, Barzal, okay. and and third time Barzal. I like I like Jordan Eberle. I like Jordan Eberle in shootout. And again, I think he usually has pretty good numbers in shootout. They usually always run Josh Bailey, if I recall correctly. And again, he gets a lot of chances. But again, he skates up on the net and he won't shoot the puck. He tries to pass it off. He tries to pass it to the goalie stick. Uh, one last question here, Grumpy. Uh, David says, Grump, thoughts on Brian Burke named as the Penguins president, a Jack Johnson return in the making, LOL. Well, they're shaking it up there. Um, Jack Johnson, no, he's finished. <laughs> Sorry. Actually, I'm surprised Lou hasn't brought him in. What's he, 36 now? Lou's <laughs> movement. Grumpy old man, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast as always. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we kind of wrap things up? Yeah, I'm surprised that Brian Burke got another job with that hockey team, actually. He's, <laughs> I, I actually enjoy him as a talking head, but you know, at some point I just think the game has kind of passed you by a little bit. Uh, one last comment. Tommy saying, Grumpy's dream is Comroff, Johnston, and Martin in shootout. I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing Johnston. I like, I like Ross Johnston. I like Matt Martin. And here's the thing. I like Leo Komarov, too. I just don't like him playing hockey. Matt Martin, no. Sorry. Uh, if I could take the worst team to put out there, it'd be Bailey, Simon Holmstrom, and uh, Leo. Yeah, put those three out there. Oh, God. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Grumpy, there for being a part of the podcast, as always. My pleasure. And thank you so much again to everybody listening there and participating there in the live stream. We love anytime we get a chance here to participate with the people who do listen to the podcast or the live stream and talk Islanders hockey. I tell you, I like the live stream as well because we would have totally nonchalantly posted this yesterday. If we were not on the live stream, totally would not have known that uh, the money that of these cardboard cutouts was going to charity because I did not pay much attention there with the cardboard cutouts. So thank you so much, guys, there for calling us on that and letting us know about that. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening there. Grumpy, was there anything you wanted to say? I thought you were going to say something. I was going to say something. I'd say, you know what? And uh, for anyone who has spent money on the cardboard, fantastic. I applaud you. Yeah. Oh, thank you there, Grumpy. Thank you so much, everybody, listened here. Uh, Dirk, love that you made it here from Germany there to get listen there. And again, remember, if you ever wanted to go ahead and listen to it in post, you can't make the live stream time. Again, the YouTube page will always go ahead and have that live stream there in post where you can watch and see Grumpy Old Man and myself. But thank you, Grumpy Old Man, as always, and thank you, everybody, there on the live stream. Oh, gosh. And he ends it there with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, just suiting. Just fitting, Grumpy. Thank you so much again.